This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Dune. Dune what? Dune it all. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, how are you? Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via motion spoiler for review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 474. 474. 474. That's the name of the ship that we're going to leave on to go to uh, Arractus. I don't know the name of the planet. Arractus. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like some sort of uh, thing. Go on. Yep. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. John Goodman is there. He's got some spray cans, and so is uh, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Good, good carry. Yep. Uh, yes, it is episode 474. And speaking of Arrakis, we are talking the film Dune. Uh, this I was evening. close. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, highly anticipated, of course. Dune been waiting. So, so I've been waiting you know, decades for a proper adaptation. We'll talk about if it is a proper one or or not, but we'll see. Uh, but joining us to discuss Dune, we have from the Psych Show. He's not a Freeman. He just walks that way. It's Dr. Ali Batu. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> folks. Also joining us from Move. Bill, he's mastered air, water, and desert power, but now it's all about, that's right, chocolate power. It's Silas Lesnick. I think chocolate power is the only one I have mastered. <laughs> Teach me the ways. Well, I, I want to be taught those ways. You just eat a lot. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård seems to know how to do it. All right, Exactly, so. yeah. I mean, he's bathing in it, apparently. Silas Ali, glad to have you back on the show. How are you both doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing great, and, uh, like, Super excited to talk about Dune. Dune is like a, like, has been a part of my life since like as far back as I can remember. Uh, I'm super excited for this conversation. Good to be back with you all. There's there's a lot in my head mm-hmm. that I feel like I need to process with Dune, and I couldn't think of uh, three better people to do that with. Well, there you go. Look you at that. My heart. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, Silas, I'm very aware that you're you're a, a fan of the property that is Dune, so I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about the film. And Ali, I'm glad that we get you here for all the hard-hitting sci-fi. X-Men, <laughs> Blade Runner, Bill and Ted face the music. Just that, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're grabbing you when we need you for, like, these these concepts yeah. and what have you. Every episode that needs a PhD on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy it really to... gives us the stamp of like we're authentic and we're approved by the scientific community. <laughs> that's a good that's a good segue into our show notes here where we should talk about <laughs> iTunes reviews and ratings. If you want to hear the insightful commentary of a of a of a, a, a meat uh-huh. uh, entertainment journalist specialist such as Silas Lesnick or the the pontifications of Dr. Ali Batu and other wonderful guests that we have on the show, you can find all of our episodes on iTunes. You can search for out now with Aaron and Abe. You can give us a rating and a review. That would be great. It would pop us up in the old iTunes charts so others, others could share in the knowledge that Abe and I try to impart in exactly. the show, but we and, definitely get from the various guests of the show. And if you've written a master's thesis or a PhD thesis, just copy and paste as much as you want into there where it stops and just hit submit. Five stars, please. Is there a, char- is there a character limit on that? Like there has to be, because right? I would think so, but who knows if this... Software we have yeah, these days. Like that'd be, that'd be a thirty-two page thesis. It'd be great. I think it'd we be a hell of a review. We, sh- we should. People should just <laughs> do that. Like find theses and just paste them. Give it five stars. I, that's just science. And we didn't have to pay Doctor Matthew to say that. No, this is this is just <laughs> but, but between between Ali and Silas. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of doctors right there, so we can get them to all like submit. <laughs> 
I think we cracked this, guys. We I think it. we cracked the way to get some really significant media iTunes reviews. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, because it'll just be like a postscript section too. You just write out now, there like it just be like write the thesis. It'd be a pretty great part. <laughs> How long should we keep this going? Let's see. Another 10 minutes. Yes, about do iTunes. it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of iTunes, uh, there's a lot of episodes on there, including all of our Halloween episodes. Uh, Halloween meaning our horror-themed episodes for the month of October. We've been doing them all month. We do them every year, basically, at this point. Um, always a lot of fun. We record all these special bonus episodes. This year, we focused on franchises. Uh, so we talked about the Candyman franchise, the Omen franchise. We just released our Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise episode where we talked about eight different films within that universe. <laughs> and uh, we also did our Final Destination episode, which is super cool because we had writer and creator of the franchise, Jeffrey Reddick, on to talk about those films with us. Uh, you could find all of those episodes on this free show on iTunes. They're super fun to record. They're super fun to do. Uh, and we have one more coming this month. It's not a franchise. It is our commentary track for the month, which we always do. It always, But it just ties together well with this month because we're talking 2018's Halloween. Uh, and now that all of us that will be on that track have seen the new one, we can you know talk about that that new film, of course, and also see how it reflects on the 2018 film along with the rest of the franchise. So that's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun uh, coming in that commentary tr- track. So much bonus material this month. I mean, we spoil it, it, you guys. But. Just offhand, we've done like 22 movies. 21, 22, and then we're going to do the Halloween series. Uh, so we've talked about a lot, and we did regular shows. Plus, we did like one or two nights episodes. It's it's a lot this month. Yeah, we still got yeah we still got a, a last duel nights yeah. coming up eventually. Maybe some other more ones. like a last a, la, a, a last duel post mortem of anything. <laughs> exactly. The movie's not making yeah. much money. But I mean, maybe, maybe we'll just ask Ridley uh, Scott to be on there too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if Sir Ridley pods. Yeah. True. true. Um, no, we know what we have to do. We we have to go. We have to go through Deacon's podcast, and since and he really can probably Deacon's probably get Ridley. And since Deacons is super cool, we can get Deacons to like ask this. Ridley. To come I'm writing on to our right show. now. Deacon at Deacons.com. Yeah, that's his let's, email address. Let's right? share his, no, his his email. He doesn't like to share this around, but it's it's r dot Deacons at Gmail. <laughs> of course, it's very hard. It's very hard to guess. Occam's uh, Razor. Yeah. Yeah. He, he it's it's very similar similar to a Chivo dot Lubeski at Gmail dot com. He, he doesn't use his first name. name. He goes by his nickname, oh. plus the last name, then gmail.com. <laughs> and mean, that's been Cinematographer know. Chat yeah. on the Out Now <laughs> podcast. I think Silas is, is gone now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, what are we doing here? What, let's, I think that's all the show notes we have, so let's move on. <laughs> let's get to some Out Now quickies. Trademark. We can know we to talk about those we do Out Now quickies. That is trademarked. Yep. No energy lost in this late evening recording here. I didn't think you could do that any any faster, but but you did. I feel like that was like spice enhanced or something. Ooh. It's a, like I don't set up many New Year's resolutions, but I do set one up to say the out now quickies theme very sure. much quicker than last year. That's yeah. that's the um, thank you. Uh, so yeah, that's that's very important. But Silas, I'll get to you. What are the movies of you seen recently? I feel like I've been watching a lot of TV. I uh, I just watched Raised by Wolves for the first time, which I I was so behind on. Um, I saw a ton of Ridley Scott. Funny. Yeah, I I feel like I, I haven't liked a lot of Ridley Scott lately, but I, like I love Raised by Wolves. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I, I enjoyed the show quite a bit. I'm looking forward to the the second season. The scale and quality of that show is is really phenomenal. It's uh it, it's really beautifully done. It was kind of weird to to realize, uh, like thematically, how much it has in common with Eternals. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like people guiding the destiny of mankind 
with like amazing outdoor like cinematography that uses real locations and uh, weird monster things. Hmm. <laughs> tell tell me more about this real locations thing. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do like real monster things. Like that, that's fun. Real monsters. Anything else you've been watching? Uh, let's see. Um, I, I have been watching uh, my roommate and I, who I've, has also been on your show before, Eric Eisenberg of Cinema Blend. Uh, we've been marathoning uh, <laughs> uh, Chucky movies, Child's Play, uh, because of good the new show. Series. It is a like it is remarkable how good that series yeah. is. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. It's it's strange to to get seven films in and they're all pretty good. And to hear the series is good too. The series I'm enjoying is very fun, so. the series so far. Yeah. I, I, I I know some people saw the first four episodes. I've only been watching it as it's been airing, so I, I have seen the first two and I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. Well they don't call him the Mancini the magician for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also when I when I, I got home I, hold when on. I when I got home from Dune I uh, I found myself immediately watching uh Werner Herzog's Lessons of Darkness, hmm. uh, which is, is that one of his, er- his earlier films. No, it's uh, it's like mid nineties. Um, it's okay. it's a documentary I mean, slash like sci-fi. thirty years ago almost. It's <laughs> <So, yeah. laughs> making us feel old there. It's uh, it's great though, and like it's almost as though like if you see Dune and then Werner Herzog stepped in and made a documentary about the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Cool. I want to uh, check that out. What is that called, it's, Silas? Oh, it's called Lessons of Darkness. It's it's actually on uh, Tubi for free uh, oh, through Shout Factory, uh, and oh, it's cool. filmed uh, with the like uh, uh, oil fires in Kuwait. But Werner Herzog treats it as though it's an alien planet. Wow! And narrates oh, wow. it as though it's a science fiction world, uh, and it's it's great. That sounds fantastic. I do want to check that out. Yeah, I've never seen this. I just looked it up. The description calls it a documentary slash sci-fi. Which I don't think I've ever seen that before. <laughs> yeah, look into that he's, for sure. He's got a couple, actually. He has another one, um, which I'm blanking on the name for, but it has Brad Dourif in it. Uh, that's also a documentary sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Brad Dourif of Child's Play and uh, David Lynch's Dune. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Back when he was really handsome. <laughs> uh, before he got stuck in that doll. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ollie. How are you? How are you doing? What What have you seen recently? Oh man, nothing. Nothing too new, you guys. It's been. Um, I'm watching kind of random stuff. Um, something hey, I saw. Yeah. Um, something I saw that was new to me that I I missed when it came out was uh, Ingrid Goes West. Um, it's on Hulu right now, and I, I've wanted to see that for a long time, and I just uh, thoroughly enjoyed that film a lot. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> last night. Last night I watched. Um, it's been raining a lot here in Northern California, so we uh, we did a movie night with my daughter and um, our neighbors and their kids, and so we watched uh, Wreck It Ralph, oh. um, which I had not seen since it originally came out, and um, that movie's got such a great script. Uh, it's it's one of those family films that really works for the kids and also works on the adult level, and it was hitting the right level of nostalgia for me, but also creating something new for my daughter. And then we played, as a result of that movie, we played, uh, my daughter and I played a lot of uh, Mario Kart today. Um, So that was, that was just a a great, uh, that was just a great night (laughs) and a great movie that kind of brought us all together. I still want a game that has a very interactive vehicle creation set set up where you like not only create your own vehicle but like it goes through an elaborate routine of oh shifts the mini and games. levers. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so cool. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Um, you can customize in Mario Kart, but you can't create your own cart. You can't create in the way you do in that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I need that. Yeah. Hey, hey, boy, what, 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 oh, yeah. You get me. Oh, yeah. I was just gonna say the other thing. We're watching the Succession, and happy to have that there show back. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you and your daughter are bonding over that one too. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that's a great. Speaking of great family fun, yeah. nothing will make you feel yeah. better about your. You family looked over at her watch. and you're like, "Hey, can you give me some BoJack tweets?" <laughs> she's like you got it dad <laughs> it's just button mashing. all right hey what, hey what are you up to what, what have you not finished this week <laughs> that's a great way to describe it he's not wrong folks uh no i oh boy with halloween here i've been watching a lot of uh horror things like I'm trying to watch something more related almost every night uh whether that's like an old episode of the simpsons treehouse of horror or Bob's Burgers or whatever else. Um, I caught lights you out. You really don't want to get to the scary stuff I know, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I caught lights out, and uh, it it's good. Yeah, I mean, Aaron and I talked about it. I mean, we've talked about it on the show, and it came out like a few years ago. But um, I like how uh, it's a simple premise, and nobody really does anything dumb in the movie, which is great. Um, it's a it's a smarter film than you might expect from Lights yeah. Out. I think it's quite good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there there could be like some easy scares, or the kid could be you know not as as uh, practical or judicious. But this kid is very thoughtful about what he's doing, how he's trying to hold the candle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I checked that out, and then I also checked out um, uh, The Departed just because I guessed that it was on HBO Max. And I was like, I'm gonna turn really this scary. on in the background. I know, yeah, very scary movie. Jack Nicholson, <laughs> the devil himself. Uh, I turned she it on the background. Felt funny. Yeah. Uh, and then I just like got so wrapped up into it, I just watched the entire thing. I didn't mean to, but it just happened. Um, and then I kind of went on another like weird neo noir kick, and uh, I checked out No Set and Move. Um, also, I ooh, yeah, that movie rock. Very, it, it's a, it's a. I see why it could get mixed results. I I enjoyed it for what it was. It's kind of confusing at times, but I kind of threw that out the window. Um, but the performances are great, and like Don Cheadle just being incredible with like his voice and the way that he's uh, acting in it. It's pretty great. Um, and I also wanted to point out that. Uh, I don't know how I don't know what Len Soderbergh shot with, but it's very like it's very apparent that he decided to go with like a style uh, of lens uh, for that movie. So um, yeah, he's using like older lenses on purpose and yeah, it was like aspherical. You can definitely see like the fisheye effect like uh, for anybody beyond mm-hmm. being like right in the center of like the uh, of the picture. So yeah, it's very uh, cool just to check that out. But yes, I uh, checked that out. So. Yeah, but beyond that, still watching a bunch of uh, horror things. Uh, again, almost every night. It really makes the experience of Halloween uh, much better when you're watching these horrific, semi-horrific things. So, just to be clear, you watched all of Steven Soderbergh's No Set of Move, a movie that came out this year. but <laughs> uh, Two hours high- of it, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, two, but, but High Flying Bird, a film that is maybe two-thirds the length... <laughs> That concerns a subject basketball, which you are well known for being a fan of. I do that was love on my basketball. Top 10, that was on my that was on my top ten of the year that year. You you still have not completed that film. I'm at the part where uh where the, where they're meeting with the the commissioner of the league, and I've got I've got to get back to it. You know, they're meeting with uh, Kima Griggs from The Wire. From The Wire, yeah. yeah. Just making sure I'm keeping track of these things. Don't think I forget. I never yeah. forget. No. I'll, I'll get back to you by Christmas. Uh, but yeah, what did, what did you check out, Aaron? I, I've seen a few things. Um, first up, uh, I will note that I was at the Newport Beach Film Festival, 
uh, this past uh, this past weekend. My lovely girlfriend, uh, the lovely Anna Bosch, was the host of a few programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at the Short Thoughtful Docs program that she hosted, which is a series of short documentaries. And one I wanted to highlight specifically is what her favorite as well, and I think it's very good. It's called Unfinished Lives. Um, it's quite tragic because it concerns this USC student, uh, Chinran Ji, who was like basically brutally beaten and died as a result of it. And it kind of tracks the events that occurred um, as far as what happened, who was involved or whatnot. But I think it does a good job of making sure that it makes him the, you know, the victim, the focus of it, as opposed to putting too much highlight on, you know, the, the people that committed the crime or what have you. I think it's a very, it's a very strong document for, you know, for a short documentary, I thought it was very well done. <clears throat> so I just wanted to point that, that one out because I know it's kind of touring festivals. What was that one Unfinished called? Lives. Unfinished Lives. Unfinished yeah. Lives. Mm-hmm. At the time of this recording, I haven't seen her second, my, on a second program of the animation fascination, uh, but I'm looking forward to that because I love seeing animated shorts. Um, so I, I'm expecting a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, features that I've seen recently, uh, this week alone, I've seen The French Dispatch, Last Night in Soho, and Eternals, but we have... <laughs> those are that other episodes yesterday. that will be done. That was, that was that one was, day. Just, yeah. this, this week alone, I've oh. seen all of this. Yeah, you, you were just trying to catch up on uh, every, like, uh, pretty great movie at the end of the year in one week? Well, it's like all all, my, all like my favorite filmmakers were like, we're making <laughs> movies, guys, and they just <laughs> decided to like put them all out around now. Um, uh, there's one other I can't talk about yet, but I'll talk about it next week, but it does feature a director that, that you and I uh, have tried to follow uh, in recent years. The FP3? Um, but, I close and he's and Jatro's working on the Blu-ray for that. Yeah. So we're doing hey, we're getting close to FP3 um, escape from, or is it escape from whatever it's called? I can't yeah. think of it right Don't now. worry. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it. But I will mention, so speaking of scary, I watched a, I watched a film that I, I enjoy that I haven't watched in a while. Bubba Hotel. Um, this is the Don Coscarelli film starring Bruce Campbell and Ozzie Davis. Uh, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis uh, in a retirement home and ozzy davis plays obviously jfk um, they are, um i i am a i'm a huge fan of has anyone else seen bubba hotep silas have you seen bubba hotep oh yeah i love bubba hotep i i figured as much uh, it's it's a really solid like horror comedy that involves elvis who is presumably the real elvis but he switched places with a double and then the paperwork got lost in a fire so nobody believes that he's the real elvis it's quirky like that and obviously, Ozzy Davis just plays JFK very convincingly. That's there's no discretion there whatsoever. Um, but it involves them taking on a mummy that has invaded an elderly home, and they need to stop it. Uh, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, the premise, if you have not seen the movie, sounds inherently silly, and the movies recognizes that it's very silly. At the same time, it has a lot of heart. There's a lot of heart in the movie. I think it's maybe one of Bruce Campbell's finest performances, and I really like Bruce Campbell, but I I, do, I think he's really doing some good stuff here just because again i think the movie's very uh very sincere in what it's trying to do while also being a movie about two elderly people fighting a mummy um it's a shame that the sequel that has been written was never made uh bubba nasperatu um which would have starred paul giamatti because he's also a huge fan of bubba hotep um but you know what we're in an age where random things happen and movies get made that you never thought would happen so here's hoping that I finally get a Bubba Nosferatu. Yeah. Have, have you heard? So I, I heard the, the behind the scenes was that there was basically an argument over whether or not it should be a Yeti or Nosferatu. And that's what made it fall apart, which is the most insane creative differences story I've ever heard. And the best. Yes. I, mean, I, I, I love that. Four stars. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 
that's good reasoning for me as far as why something <laughs> can't happen. I just hope they resolve these things, and obviously that we get both of them. But I mean, Bubba Nas for I think it was the better title. I Maybe mean, it was the other title, Bubba Abominable Snowman. That's just too <laughs> yeah, much. Not as good. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's I don't know who back. Let's move on now to our trailer talk, where we talk about what the news movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking the Batman. This is the upcoming new Batman movie directed by Matt Reeves of the the, the New Apes trilogy, mm-hmm. Cloverfield and Lightning, and among other things. Um, the film features Robert Pattinson as the Batman, and, and we have a number of, of, of co-stars in the movie. We have Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon, John Turturro as Carmen Falcone, Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot, and of course Andy Serkis as Alfred. We have a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen this trailer now debuted at the DC Fan Zone, a remarkably well-structured fan event for everything related to DC. And uh, yeah, we got you. I mean, we got a bit of a preview last year, but now we have a kind of a full-on first trailer for the film. With all of that said, Silas, what were your thoughts on the trailer for the Batman? I so I I have sort of mixed feelings on it. I I'm honestly not the biggest Batman fan, Uh, and there is a level of like, Mm. oh, good, another Batman. (laughs) Uh, But I I love Matt Reeves. I think that that uh, his Apes movies are amazing science fiction. I think he's a really smart writer. And I will say that as somebody who isn't the biggest fan of Batman, the Batman story we've never seen is like an actual detective story. And it would be nice to see that. And it looks like this is in the right direction. Cool. I will also say, uh, like, oh, yeah. I, I, I had sort of avoided watching it when it came online because I wanted to see it in the theater. and But I had seen stills and whatnot because Twitter just filled up with them. And I was really impressed seeing it in, in a big screen and seeing just the, like, sort of grainy film look of it uh was really cool mm-hmm. yeah i i haven't been able to see it in a theater yet i have watched it and it like it, uh, matt reeves put the trailer in 4k on vimeo yeah um so i i've and i you know i have a i have a nice tv so i've, I've seen it look as good as i can make it but I, i'm certainly impressed from a visual standpoint i'll just go at this point as well i uh i am a big batman fan although my appreciation is somewhat waned over the years based on <laughs> All of the stuff that's been coming out of uh, some of DC films that I'm not the biggest fan of, I, I more or less accept it, but it, it just hasn't really encouraged my, my Batman fandom in the way that other things that have come out recently cinematically have, such as the amount of Godzilla that I've been able to obtain in recent years, which is really great. <laughs> um, so Batman, it's like I'm not on the outs, but it's like I need a reason to like get back into Batman. And honestly, I, I think Matt Reeves is a terrific a uh, spectacle filmmaker. He's really proven himself as far as, I mean, even before the Apes movies, I'm a huge Cloverfield fan. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah, let him, you know, he, he keeps delivering in my book. So I, I'm looking forward to whatever he has to offer as far as the Cape Crusader goes. I, I think he has a very impressive cast. I, you know, the, we're going to talk about Dune soon, but Greg Frazier's cinematography seems to be <laughs> delivering uh, a lot as far as what I would want out of this take on Batman. Do I necessarily need another darker and grittier uh, version of Batman? I wouldn't say that's the thing that I would have, you know, put my put my money on. But, you know, that's what we're getting. And so as far as what I'm seeing, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm impressed with what I'm seeing so far. I think that the, as far as this trailer goes, the, the last shot where Batman, where like the car, like Penguin's car crashes and Batman's just walking at him and it's upside down. That's totally my shit. So, like, I, I can't <laughs> can't complain too much by getting a dark and gritty Batman when it's giving me like something 
that just immediately appeals to me in the way it does. But Ali, how about you? Where are you with the Batman? I'm coming in, uh, coming to this kind of from a inverse but similar uh, inverse background as Silas, but kind of landing in the same place. Um, I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, it was all Batman and Wolverine for me growing up, and um, the Batman series that really uh, resonates with me is Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got, mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping that this movie kind of gets us to that version of Batman, the uh, the greatest detective Batman, the Batman who really is, uh, it's his um, it's his knowledge and his abilities as uh, as someone to solve problems that uh, really is the the center of the story. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping this will deliver on that. Um, I got, this is going to sound weird, but I got a little uh, Dick Tracy vibes hmm. from this trailer. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I like that. Uh, like I, um, I love Matt Reeves as well. I love the last two eight movies. I, I love that whole trilogy, but what he did with, um, the second and third one was, was just really amazing. Uh, this cast looks phenomenal. Um, I'm very excited to see Robert, uh, Pattinson as a, as a younger Bruce Wayne and a younger Batman. So I'm hopeful. I, I also still think there's a lot of room in the superhero genre. Like we're, we're two decades into it, but I think we're, we we can see a lot more innovation at the same time. Um, what I've been seeing recently is is much more of the same. So I'm coming into this with like, this could be cool. This could be like a Logan. This could do some different stuff for us. But and DC, if if either of these uh, main studios is going to give it to us, it's it's probably DC Warner Brothers and not Marvel. Um, but you know. Ah, mm. I'm, I've kind of been burned right. uh, with Batman recently, and I'm kind of. I have no uh, idea what you're talking about, Ali. Yeah, yeah. So that that's yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, folks. Hey, where are you with the Batman? Uh, I'm excited for the trailer. I, based off the trailer, I'm excited for what's going to be coming out. I, I uh, but I do want to acknowledge that something that you guys all said, which is, you know, we've seen a lot of dark Batman lately, including the video games. Um, so am I super excited about him having to, like, beat the crap out of, uh, bad guys and subordinates and whatever else, uh, for two hours and some change? Maybe not, but Silas, to your point, I'm, I'm super excited about the, and Ali, uh, I'm super excited about the detective aspect of this, which is, it's gonna be, uh, from what people have said and from what I've read, it's gonna be a little bit more on, on that side of the house, and that excites me because I think think in the time that i've been keeping track with tv and movies i I definitely know how batman came to be um and i definitely know that there have been iterations of this in almost every version of batman that i've ever seen Uh, Abe, i don't i don't know if you know this but uh his parents were killed in a dark alley one night what by a random criminal (laughs) and his mother at the time what at the time she was wearing pearls Oh, I, oh my I, no. Wait, are you telling me that the pearls of the lot pavement of know that, but it's pretty wild. The pearls of the pavement and it echoes in Bruce Wayne's mind for the rest of his I, life? Wait, I've 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 heard really? her her name is is Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> yeah, but with all that being said, I, I am excited yeah. I am excited uh for the cinematography. I mean some of the some of these shots at like dusk look 
uh, great. Uh, you know, I've never really seen Batman in the daytime, so it's kind <laughs> of like a, a cool thing to see him at least with some Just sort Oscar, of something. Or, or would you call it Twilight? I, I guess you could call, call it Twilight. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I am excited for it. Yes, I do acknowledge everything you guys had said because it's very true. Like, hey, man, I, I would love for this to just be him being the world's greatest detective. Um, and I, we sort of got something very similar to that in The Dark Knight uh, where he's trying to solve the Joker sequence stuff. And that was fun to watch. That was, that was cool for him to – for us to see his his, uh, his brain at work and his gadgets and his um, pseudo Batcave working. So – very excited for this one on that level. And what you guys said about Matt Reeves is totally true. I, he made some really cool movies. Those last two eight movies, I didn't think I could be that involved with uh, with uh, speaking apes. But here I am just being like dual-wielding apes, you know, riding horses is my jam. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for the Batman. Uh, one thing I'm going to say Actually, is, Ollie, uh, were you on one of the apes movies with us? I think so. I mean, he that has to. Like He's got a PhD. I, I think you're on one, at least one of them. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe I think it was probably um the second, which is uh not Dawn. Yeah, Dawn. I think it's the plant. Uh, Dawn's the Rise. second in the new trilogy. Oh, okay. They're all titled wrong. first. Matt Reeves. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah they're, uh, but they're all titled wrong. If they're all they're all titled wrong. The first one should be Dawn. The second one should be War. And the last one should be Rise. Right. <laughs> right. No, it makes no sense. <laughs> um, but one thing I want to say is uh. I was talking to a friend of mine after watching the trailer um, who is like uh, the context here is important. Um, he's he's a white guy, super into comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he watched this and he's like, Ali, do we really in 2021 need a movie about a white guy vigilante kind of like taking everything into his own hands? And like when he said that, I was like, oh, man, Right. This is like a very different context and world we live in. So I, I think that's just going to be something interesting going into the Batman. Um, we're we're going to be seeing this from a very different perspective, given all the events of the last few years, than, than we would the, the last iteration of, um, of Batman, which I, I don't know if we Justice League, the Snyder Cut counts as like a, a new iteration or, or whatever we want to call it. But going back to the Batman we saw in the Justice League, that was a a bit of a different era of the world, at least for America. So that's that's something that's kind of in my head is, uh, and especially after after seeing Joker, this movie feels like it could live in that world. And I don't know how much I want to explore that world. Right. Very fair. Oh, interesting thoughts on where things could go. And I can just wonder. Matt Reeves is not a dumb guy. He has smart writers working with him on this, and the film was made last year. I, I can't imagine it not reflecting. <laughs> Uh, modern society in some way, but I'll be very curious how much that kind of incorporation works its way into a film such as this, but we'll see. With all that said, The Batman arrives in theaters March 4th, 2022. So get ready. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's do it, guys. Let's move on to our main review for Dune. The outsiders ravage our land. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. So you're going tomorrow? Yes, I'm going tomorrow with the advanced team. I'd like you to take me with you. You can try and give me court-martialed. Can I trust you with something? I've been having dreams about a girl falling in battle. 
felt like a vision. Dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're awake. To the future of House Atreides. You have to be ready. There is no call we do not answer. There is no faith that we betray. They're not human, they're brutal. What if I'm not dead? You'll still be the only thing I ever needed you to be. Come on! My son. That should have been some of the trailer for Dune. I have not read Frank Herbert's 1965 best-selling sci-fi novel, but I am aware it's known for, among other things, being a dense book, with many (laughs) deeming it to be unfilmable. In uh, 1984, David Lynch proved the story was in fact filmable, though the reception for the film was poor. While there have also been TV adaptations, we now have Denny Villeneuve's adaptation, which has attempted to tell the first half of this epic story. In it, we follow Paul Atreides, son of a powerful man, and perhaps the chosen one who will bring balance to the force or stop Voldemort or do whatever the hell they needed to do in Divergent. Uh, Kidding aside, he's our anchor in a story full of powerful royal and political figures, indigenous tribes living on a desert planet, and, of course, giant worms. Silas, I am aware, as I've stated earlier, that you are a big fan of Dune as a property. Now we have a big-budget Warner Brothers new adaptation of Dune. What did you think of the film? it's, It's a weird question, because... On the one hand, I think it is an amazing adaptation. It is a really, really good film, but at the same time, a little underwhelming. And I think it's just because Dune is something that, like, since I was a kid, it was like the big sci-fi franchises are Star Trek, Star Wars, and Dune. And uh, my older brother is the one that is, like, a Dune obsessive who, like, knows everything about the books. And I, I remember reading them from a very young age, And I remember the experience reading the book was kind of disappointing for the same reason I I had seeing the movie, which is just I already know the story so well that and and I don't remember when I saw David Lynch's Dune, but the book and David Lynch's Dune are so integrated in my imagination that this movie is great. I really think it's a really well-made movie, but it's also really, really similar to David Lynch's Dune. Uh, Like, it's one of those weird things where, like, I can't wait for sequels, but there was also a, like, I want to get past what I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ali, how about you? Yeah. Where, where, what's, your, what's been your experience with, with Dune? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think that's a good question to ask because this – it is very hard to experience this movie divorced from whatever experience you have with Dune. And I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Um, science fiction is what got me into psychology. It's um, th- and those two things are probably why I get invited back to out now. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was it's, not. It's, it's mainly your looks, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, that's I definitely have looks for a podcast. Um, and <laughs> what what my experience with Dune is is that I never got into Dune. Um, I. I have read it, but I read it as an adult. Um, when I read it as an adult, I, I, I thought it was really interesting and bizarre and strange and layered and dense and all those. Uh, there, it has all these readings from, you know, uh, these other books that it references. And it's um, it's it's a lot. Um, but it's also something that has influenced everything I've loved 
it's influence Star Trek. It's influence Star Wars. Um, it's it's hard not to watch this adaptation and see Game of Thrones. You know, there's there's so many great franchises that um, took uh, took their inspiration from Dune, and Dune took its inf- inspiration from so many different things, from ecology and um, different faiths, um, so many different ideas and, and politics and philosophy. So, um, going into this movie, I, um, I enjoyed it much more than I have any previous adaptation. I have friends, multiple friends who have tried to get me to watch David Lynch's version of Dune and consistently, I've tried it three times. Consistently, I fell asleep in each time, each time watching it. And this was like, teenager ollie and 20s ollie not like 30 something ollie like i should have been able to stay awake and watch it all but i wasn't able to so i, I think this is um this is a, a fantastic adaptation based on what's come before but this is also you know it's, it doesn't adapt the whole book um so it's uh, it, it feels a bit incomplete to me and i also had a very bizarre way of watching it i watched it I watched it at home, which you might be going like, oh, no, Ali, what the hell did you do? But we recently got this massive projector. And so I saw it on like a 130 inch projection. It was it was beautiful. So I love that. And then I half watched it and then I had to go to bed because I was sleepy. And then my (laughs) wife wanted to watch it again. So I watched it again. But then I had the experience of like pausing every few minutes and explaining it to her so i I feel like my whole experience watching dune is very bizarre and there's a lot of things we need to talk out and uh yeah that's that's a lot but i'm gonna stop there (laughs) i um don't have any connections to dune Uh, i did not see the lynch film until last year for the first time and i can talk about my thoughts on that later if we get into that during this discussion of the film itself um, but so walking into this movie, beyond just like basic acknowledgement of, you know, space worms and things like that, like I had no real like, not a lack of anticipation, but like my thoughts going into it, it's like I I like Denny Villeneuve, I like movies he's made, I expect to see a well-made sci-fi movie. I uh, really liked this movie a lot. It kind of blew me away. I I, I don't get surprised too often um, by how much I feel interested in a movie and like what it's telling me but like i felt like i was really captured by dune i i i I was really uh caught off guard by how much i was enjoying it i will say when i hear things like it's the next lord of the rings or whatnot leading up to this i was scoffing at that idea and i'm not even a huge rings guy like i like lord of the rings but i'm not you know it's not my it's not the it's not my preferred franchise of the many that there are um but like the the notion of a film that has to capture that sense of grandeur you know, some some new franchise coming along to do something in that realm. That's not something where I see that all the time, let alone think that anything will get that close all that often. Now that I have seen Dune, I kind of get it. I I look at that and think, I mean, yeah, I I I I would I would measure this film up to that. Uh, this is all ways of being very hugely complimentary towards the film because I yeah I really enjoyed it. We'll talk more about it, but I I think the the scale here is fantastic. The story I thought was well handled for being a first part without being too bogged down into the world building aspects. Um, the tone of this thing I think is appropriate without feeling alienating. 
there are just a list of things I could say that explain how much I like what I've seen here with Dune Part 1. And the, I, maybe the best thing I could say is that after watching this film the first time with my dad, who also loved it, um, I was we were both thinking in the theater, I could continue sitting here for another three hours if that means watching this whole thing, because I didn't want to just leave this world. I was too taken in by what they presented me the first time around. But uh, Abe, where, where are you with, with Dune? Yeah, with Dune, my exposure to it was early on as well. Um, my older siblings, they recorded Dune back when we had Saturday afternoon movies, so we had it on VHS, uh, probably with commercials. Uh, or maybe maybe we were cool enough to like stop uh, recording when the commercials came on and then return back to the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do remember, <laughs> Ali, sort of like to your point, I do remember being bored by it, even though I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten, whatever else. But <laughs> I've never gone back to revisit it because of these initial feelings and this connotation that I had with the movie. I've never read the books. So, Silas, I, I would love to hear uh, more of your thoughts on maybe the parallels of movies and the books. So going into this, I kind of uh, Aaron, you know that I don't really watch as many of the trailers anymore, uh, but kind of going this, I knew what I was getting into. I knew who this director was. I knew the I, I knew who these actors are. And I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I really liked it for Aaron. You mentioned world building. I enjoyed it a hell of a lot for what I did get out of it, um, like the scale, the grandeur, everything like that. And I, I it was kind of like a visual feast for the eyes as I was going through here. Um, so stunning on that level. I do admit that there are some parts that may be a little bit dragging out, maybe, maybe not as exciting or enticing, but I loved that there were characters that I followed. There was like this world that was being built for me for this, this demise or this defeat and also the, uh, the galactic powers that be. I definitely see a lot of parallels as to, uh, other movies that have come along since then and or movies that maybe this movie Dune has taken its interpretation from. But, you know, in a world or in a word, I would say that Dune is incredible. Um, it was almost everything that I expected it to be, or it was almost everything and more than what I expected it to be, uh, given, again, Villeneuve's uh, directing. Like, And I, I don't know. I mean, I was just really swept up with a lot of it. And Aaron, to your point, I echo it. I probably could have sat there and just finished the entire movie all in one go. Um, I am jealous, Ali, that you had like a 130-inch projection in your home. And uh, I, I I, would definitely agree with you that maybe like the stop and starts of it might have taken me out of it too. Uh, I was glad that I, I didn't catch it in a premium theater, but I definitely want to go back and catch it in the premium theater. So my experience with Dune was just it had a lot to offer and i i really dug uh, a lot of the visuals i dug the storyline i dug these characters that i've never met before um kind of like really following on the side of uh of the protagonists that we're following um but uh so much so that it wasn't as though it was difficult to follow these people if that makes sense like it would it also felt organic in a way that allowed me to really understand that, you know, this Duke isn't a power-hungry guy. He's actually just a great father, um, and that really hit me hard. I was like, yeah, because otherwise, like, you'd see other movies where it kind of rushes these things or doesn't let them breathe. But I, I think that this movie kind of gives that. But I would be curious as to um, how it compares to um, Lynch's Dune and also the the book. Well, let's let's get into that. So it sounds like, from what I'm hearing, Ollie, Abe, and I, AAA, 
are um, <laughs> the ones with less experience with Dune, yet we seem to appreciate the movie more than Silas, where you obviously you have more experience with Dune and feel a bit underwhelmed. I want to I want to unpack that a bit, Silas. What, what's what what holds you back? I mean, I I feel like you you acknowledge that obviously, like visually and what have you, it's doing the job. But what 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 makes the film feel lesser than uh, for you by comparison? I it's just like. I feel even as a kid, uh, I, I, I knew the story so well that I didn't really enjoy reading the first book the first time I read it. And when I hit the second book, it was so exciting because all of a sudden I was I was in a place where these were characters I liked and a world I cared about, but I had no idea what was going to happen. And it, it's hard to get over the sense of like, it's super exciting that this movie is happening and I have been getting a thrill out of just going on Twitter and seeing people that love it uh, and a couple people who have loved it and then watched the uh, David Lynch version and said, Oh, I get this movie much more so yeah. now. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I love Denny Villeneuve. Everything he has done, uh, I think is extraordinary, but it's sort of like if you had him remake uh, star Wars, mm -hmm. but it ended when the millennium Falcon took off from Tatooine, no matter how good that movie is, it just, the version of Dune that's in my head from the Lynch version in the book is so like fermented in there that it it's hard to budget. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of get the sense that like Denny Villeneuve feels the same way. I, I think there was a great respect for Lynch's version in the in the designs uh, and including the the Benny Gesserit voice is very similar to the voice in the in the David Lynch version. It, it seems like he has a both well, obviously respect for the book, but also the Lynch version as well as the proposed Jodorowsky version. It feels like there's elements from all of the various ideas that have <laughs> have come across over the years uh, for what a Dune adaptation could be. Yeah, and it's it's an it's a dense world. Like there, mm -hmm. there's stuff in the movie that I was thinking like, oh, it's crazy they don't explain this, and. It's there. Like, it's not like like uh, the Mentats, for instance. I don't think they even say the word Mentat. Uh, but, you know, those guys with the, the thin lips, the little marking on their lip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah, the yeah. Mentats. Yeah, no, we were just we were all <laughs> partying about them the other day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in the world of Dune, there was this event, basically, where AI rose up long, long ago. But there's no computers in Dune. And people have become the computers, so that's like a Mentat's job. So when, and so it's the, weird. So that refers to like what Stephen McKinley Harrison Henderson's character. He's one of them. Like, cause I you get a bit with him where like Oscar Isaac asks him to compute something, and he like rolls his eyes yeah. to the back of his head. And you yeah. see him do it. Like, so he's AI. He's not human. Is that what you're telling me? No, no, no. He he. AI is not allowed. You're oh, not allowed okay. to make a machine that thinks like a man. But good. Uh, these these people <laughs> train to sort of be. You take a Will Smith out of a job, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Silas. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's it. and then there's also uh, David. David uh, Dasmashian. He's another stuff. one. Yeah. 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 Okay. I figured as such as well, and, and maybe like the the woman who's detoxifying um, the Baron at some point. I was like, oh yeah, thin lips, weird. Well, so this is what I think is the one of the greatest achievements of this film is it is adapting such a rich universe. And this film is so respectful to everything that's come before related to Dune. And it's also so accessible to such a large audience that, that you can watch it and you can have that greater appreciation for 
um, for the these foundational elements that are are in the film but not explained in the film. Um, or you can be like my wife, and while she had many questions, she also watched it and and had a lovely time enjoying this movie. Like it's, um, I think that's just just such an achievement in in bringing this film to life. Like like the the David Lynch Dune. Um, while I've only like half seen it is not something I would recommend to people who aren't who don't have uh, sci-fi interests or interest in the director or some of the people in that movie. You know, it's not it's not a film for everyone where I think everyone can go into 2021 Dune and uh, really have a wonderful time experiencing cinema. Silas, to be clear, because obviously you know the Lynch version well, do you like that film? Like, is that a film that you like you, you stand up for? Oh, I do. I, I like I, I'm very, very fond of that film. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs> love the, the very ending. And Fair. it's one of those cases where, like, I in many ways, I think the second half of the book is a harder story to tell. So I, I'm much more excited to see that embraced. Mm-hmm. That's that's hap- mm-hmm. oh, happy that it seems to have made enough money that like you're gonna make a sequel right yeah it's in, it, between like the global take it's had already and what i assume are certain assurances that villain have had all along to begin with i, I right. don't I, I have little doubts that we'll see the rest of this story but that's a different discussion we can get more on that later i, I will just about the lynch dune real quick just to you know, throw my thoughts out there i that's a film where the i watched you know watch it for the first time the first hour of it i was into like i, I and i was i could see obviously it's it has a certain like style that nowadays looks inherently goofy, but it also it's doing its own thing. It has it has personality. But watching that first hour, I was like, why is why is this regarded so poorly? I think this is, you know, it's it's doing the thing and it's doing what it wants to do, and I feel like it's effective. Then I got to the other hour, which I um for me, <laughs> it just feels like it it feels like from what I can tell. There's a lot of book that's being summed up fairly quickly, sure. and the rushed pace of that second half feels, as a result, because I don't care enough about the stuff because it's rushing through so many things, it feels like a drag to me. Now, maybe sure. with time, I could rewatch that movie and be like, oh, no, I get it. It works more, what have you. But from as it stands, I'm like, yeah, I, I see what you're doing, David Lynch making a movie that he was not a was not super happy making um, but it just it wasn't quite connecting with me and to that i say watching this movie i for me i felt like oh okay i get the things that are happening a lot more now because it just feels like it's so right. expanded upon and given certain levels of clarity i mean the one thing but about the... The, one, the one thing about I'll, I'll wrap up the one thing about oh, yeah. lynch's dune that i I can appreciate is that it it is a pretty from what I can tell a pretty literal adaptation. It's doing things its own way and with the technology available at the time. But I can see Silas why you're saying it's very similar to this movie because I mean they're they're both doing the book very from what I can tell verbatim to better or worse. Is that mm-hmm. is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's sort of something that I want to uh, touch on too is uh, you know we talked about Lord of the Rings uh, a few times. And aside from Lord of the Rings, like having um, chapters kind of used as lines in the movie, like for, for example, like where are we going? It's a shortcut to where to mushrooms. You know, it, it does stay very truthful to the literature. Literature, um, and I, I kind of get that feeling here too. Like one of the things that I don't like in movies is when they feel as though the audience isn't as smart as maybe like the filmmakers are. And so they're like, well, let me explain all this shit to you like in ways <laughs> that you can like 
morsel it or piecemeal it. It's like, no. This is I, why we're here. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but, you know, it's like, I don't know who the, the Benny Jesuit are. And I don't have to be, have, like, some explanation, like, with a flashback sequence of saying, like, well, they were all powerful beings that used to be like this, and now they're just used as, like, um, some sort of, like, religious uh, symbol or, or weird witches. It's like, no, they just – they are who they are. Re- Rebecca Ferguson is, is who she is. And let me just see how the story unravels, and I appreciate that very much. And so that does remind me of, again, being dense texts and just saying, like, hey, let's roll with it. And let's if people enjoy it, then they enjoy it for whatever uh, we're going to bring. But we don't have to tame it in any way that it makes it seem as though it's like, well, let's make it more action heavy or these suits look like they're they're from David Lynch's thing. So let's just like borrow the the same look that um, that they had back then. It's like, no, it seems as though they take a lot of care and craft into designing these things because I guess maybe the text is so so rich uh, to what you uh, Silas and and Ali have mentioned. Yeah, it, it, one thing I just want to say that I that I love is how um, how accessible those uh, those moments of action are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's not a ton in this movie, but when when we do have um, some of the more action sequences, it is so incredibly easy to follow what mm-hmm. is happening where. And um, going back to Lord of the Rings, uh, that's one of the things where. Um, less so in, um, the two towers, I think two towers is pretty, uh, the action is, is really well staged. It's great set pieces, but, um, in the final film, things got, uh, things kind of unraveled and here the action that we do get, it's, it's pretty intimate. It's pretty easy to follow. It's, um, you're, you're really, um, you're really feeling the suspense and, mm-hmm. and how things unfold. Um, this, this movie doesn't feel like it's a, it's a pop uh, mega summer tentpole, um, super accessible worldwide kind of film. Like it, it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie in that way. Um, there's a lot more stuff that could be done to explain what's happening and amp up some of these set pieces. And that doesn't happen, which makes this movie feel so much more um, restrained. And, and I love it for that. Well, in mm-hmm. terms of like tone and pacing and, you know the visual of i mean obviously it's the same director but like it's not it's not that far away from what he was doing with blade runner 2049 i think the difference yeah. is the narrative follows a you know a, a chosen man a chosen one journey and a, a coming of sure. age story to an extent and ideas that are you know for all the complications you could bring about as far as the the, the royal dynasties we're seeing and the political intrigue or what have you it still breaks down as, you know, archetype characters functioning in a hero's journey. I mean, I think that that does make it more accessible by default just because we've seen those kinds of stories before, regardless of how much world there is to go on top of all of that. And that's by no means a detriment to the film when the film is done as well as it is. But I I want us to kind of break this down more by different pieces. We can talk about the characters and the plot Mm -hmm. and themes or what have you. But I want to, I guess I want to get us on a level playing field with, with Silas more. Are you... Are, are there like areas and specifically where, where you find the film like to be inferior just because of what you've built up in your mind? Or is there any like like specific negatives you want to point to? No, not at all. Um, I, I, I do think that like I I would give the Lynch film a couple bonus points for being first. Um, there is. Uh, so one of the one of the great things about Dune is there's so many quotes in the book from like all this history that is 
been determined by Frank Herbert that you only get little glimpses of. Mm-hmm. And I mean, stuff stuff like the uh, the Benny Gesserit litany against fear. That, I mean, to me, when I was a kid, when I was scared, I would recite that to myself. And it's really useful. The Lynch version creates something like that uh, with the Mentats, with a little speech they give that I, I've always been very impressed by because I always sort of assumed it was from the book and it isn't. It was written specifically for that version. So I was curious to see if something like that would pop up in this and it doesn't really but that's that's a, a weird thing to ask for fair enough mm-hmm. uh, can, can mm-hmm. i ask silas a, a question about uh you brought up the benny jesuits here and i'm i'm really curious what your reaction was to the box scene um this is such a this is something i always remembered from from the book and I was uh, really excited to see how how it appear in this this film. Um, I'm just kind of curious what what your take was on that moment. It's it's interesting because it's kind of downplayed in the movie. Um, yeah. Like it certainly it, it achieves the 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 narrative purpose of the scene, but like in the book they talk about like how sure he is that his hand is being like burned up and he can feel the bone inside his hand and. You you don't quite get that, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't mind. I I kind of like the idea of uh, this is not the definitive version of Dune. Dune is like a sort of ambiguous dream, and all of these things are Dune. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like I um, it it was really cool to see this play out as I was watching it with my wife because she she knew nothing about Dune. And um, when you see Paul put his hand in, in this box, it, and it's, it's this test, test of his ability to to deal with his impulses, right? Especially fear. And you see his his mom, Lady Jessica, is is mouthing that famous recitation that I feel like anyone who loves sci-fi knows fear is a mind killer. We all mm. like you might not know where that's from, but you know fear is a mind killer. Right. And my wife said, is she sending those thoughts to him? Or is she just is she afraid herself? And I just turned slowly and said, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> why did you turn slowly? We're <laughs> drama the household. Why, why were your eyes blinking red when you said it? <laughs> I mean, why, why are there two cameras? Is this a two shot? <laughs> I'm all about the content. You got to yeah. film everything for the content. Um, I have certain, it, I have specific yeah. thoughts on like what that what what how lady jessica functions as a like as like is she like an empath she just like feels the feels what others are going through because of her connection like I, regardless i i do like that scene i think is really it, i wouldn't necessarily say i mean it's pivotal i guess because it's a it's a huge part of the story but that does that does bring me to wanting to talk about these performances more because you know sure. timothy chalamet mm-hmm. is obviously the ostensible lead of this film as paul atreides and he you know we follow basically his journey i from my perspective timothy chalamet I, I have nothing against this actor. I, I've liked him in the various things that I've seen him. Uh, here he's leading, you know, a you know for and fairly an art house actor. He's leading a giant, you know, sci-fi movie. This is the kind of story where you know you can have a, a hero character like this that could easily be you know more muted than the rest because everyone else has showier parts. I dug Chalamet here. Like I thought he did like the job that was needed. It's not a, it's a performance that it could easily be t- either too angsty or too naive. I felt like he found a, a proper balance in bringing out what was necessary for this, you know, this young guy that's being thrust into a, a whole new sphere of understanding as far as everything going on around him. And that I think that box scene in particular, you know, you have there's a variety of emotions he has to play. 
and I like that once he taps into, you know, the whole the mantra of, of how to, you know, pass this test. I those it's transition stuff like that where I dug it. I was I was into what Chalamet was bringing. There's plenty more cast members, but did you, did you guys have yeah, any I, strong opinions on Chalamet here? Watching this watching this movie and then um, leaving the theater, I thought to myself, can, Timothy Chalamet continues to be like one of the the best actors of his generation. And to everything that you just mentioned, which is it's not so much like the voice acting and whatever else, it's a lot of the facial stuff that he has to do here because a lot of it is physical, right? And his character, correct me if I'm wrong, Silas and, and Ali, his character is fairly young. He's he's probably like in his like 19, early 20s. Um, so he's still going through an understanding of his mom's side of the house. And he he's very respectful and he's he's grown up, um, you know, as as like a, a warrior and like a smart guy um, from his dad's side of the house. Right. So I, I really dug Chalamet in this. I mean, I was sort of reminded of Little Women, where I was like, man, I dig yeah. every scene that Chalamet is in in, the, in yeah. Little Women. Um, so I dug him in this one. Silas, not to make everything in comparison between this and Lynch, but did you <laughs> how, how did you appreciate him compared to Kyle MacLachlan? <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because, like, uh, you talk about Paula as as the hero of the story, and he certainly is. Um, as you move through the series you may change your opinion of, yeah. of whether or not he's a hero. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I would say in the Lynch version, uh, just because it has a more definitive, this is the end of the story. That's he is a hero. He's, he's the hero of this story. Uh, if, if Dune continues through all the books, like reading Dune Messiah is almost like Frank Herbert saying, Hey, maybe you read the first book wrong. <laughs> I, I, Silas, I love, I love where this conversation is going. This conversation is so high nerd and also like <laughs> entry nerd for Dune. I feel like there's something for everyone. Because uh, I was going to say, um, uh, Aaron, to what you were saying, mm-hmm. I, I think his performance um, doesn't really make as much sense unless you know the direction of this character. Mm-hmm. And where this character is going. And I'm kind of reminded by what uh, someone told me when I started watching Game of Thrones season one when it was first airing um, or whenever um, whenever the Red Wedding happened um, and I was really down and depressed. And they said, you know, don't worry. Like if you're the thing about Game of Thrones, the books, at least, is no house sort of uh, is is winning for too long. And I, I kind of feel that way about about Dune is. um no one's really stays the hero for too long in 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 the books and the series, and so based on what we know about Paul Atreides, I think Timothy Chalamet's performance is is perfect, um, and I hope we get to see that character evolve. Um, and and I know a lot of it, his his choices are completely intentional here. I mean, he plays a lot of scenes um, a bit more muted, or the most critical comment I could say is a little emo. Um, <laughs> And I know the actors is wonderful in uh, Little Women and um, Lady Bird. I especially loved him in, in both of those films. But um, I, th- I think he's he's doing a, a wonderful job portraying the, the beginning of who this person becomes. We have a handful of other actors, and I don't need to spend, you know, 10 minutes of a time talking about each one of them. But are there any standouts that you wanted to bring up uh, in particular? Abe, how about you? Any, any standout characters? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac playing the Duke here. Um, Very such warm. a fair and even guy. Yeah, and you guys were mentioning, Ali, you were mentioning Game of Thrones earlier. Definitely a Ned Stark type character. Right? Total Where, Stark. Like, House hey, of Kratos and House Stark. Yeah. Uh, great houses that also have similar destinies. Here. Right, so it's like, hey, man, you got to have rules in your life. And, you know, again, above all else, he's just, what I mentioned earlier, hey... <laughs> He's just a great dad. Just like, hey, if you don't want to be the Duke, the next Duke, you don't have to be because you know what? You're the best thing already, which is my son. And I was like, oh, that's nice. that was, that's a really and, you know, I'm watching this movie with my dad and it just yeah. like it Aww. felt good. Like just like the yeah. way that those scenes were playing out. It just it and, felt... and like, again, these actor touches, he like he touches his face, too. And then Chalamet smiles a little bit. It's really nice. It also um, it's, it speaks to what you were saying Ali as far as accessibility I do think it's these yeah. you know it's these minor moments that make this film feel far more than just a, a cold retelling of a sci-fi story I think right. it has yeah. a level of warmth and personality to it that yes is not as like over the top as a 80 1986 84 David Lynch film uh but you know for a film of you know of modern times with Villeneuve's sensibilities I still think there's like you know enjoyment to get out of this as stark no pun intended, as things might, uh, you know, be sure. uh, during this time. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, must I, have been intended. Please tell me that was intended, because that was so good. Yeah, and I'll, I'll never, I'll never go... tell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you guys go here too, but um, I, I thought that a lot of the leads were very good in this movie because they brought me to a level of caring for what they're doing and being engaged in what they're doing. And so, if you if you don't really have that, then I, I just don't really care. Um, I mean, this happens sometimes in some of these epics too, because Again, just sort of harping on Oscar Isaac before you guys go, it's like you could easily just write him as, well, he's like a dad who is in charge of things. So he cares for his son, but he doesn't really say a lot. And, you know, he just pats him on the back sometimes like, no, we see some 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 great dialogue between the two about their lineage, about where they're going, what, what they're doing, about how he should uh, how Paul should view the world. And, and, you know, lastly, to your point, everybody's point about how the Paul character may or may not turn out. I mean, if you guys have read Ender's Game as well, it's like it gave me vibes of that where it's like mm. Mm, there's there's something there that maybe not everybody will agree with. Um, so anyway, uh, but yeah, what do you guys think? Any uh, standout actors performances from you guys? Well, Silas, how about, how about to you? Is Are there any realizations to compare of it these to characters? the previous Dune? Mm hmm. Yes. Even beyond comparing it, though, like, are there any, like, realizations of characters that you've, you know, wanted to see on, a, you know, in another version that, like, really worked for you? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and one thing I'll just say about casting in general is sure. it's, it's so good. And a big thrill for this movie for me kind of happened as the casting was announced, because mm -hmm. as soon as every character was cast, it was easy to just say, oh, this is an amazing actor. I can totally see them in this role. The only one I didn't feel that way about uh, was Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. Hmm. And that made me really happy to see that I was wrong. Like, oh, I think he's okay. fantastic. Oh. Um, it, there's elements of him that, like, play off in future stories. And it was hard to imagine Jason Momoa pulling it off. And after seeing the movie, I can totally imagine it. It's like, oh, wow, this is going to be amazing. Also, what a great name Duncan Idaho is. I like, know. <laughs> like I, I just love saying Duncan Idaho, and I, and I mean that all that feels like it. I don't know how the book. I mean, I assume the book plays a certain way because of the kind of character he is. But obviously, he's more outgoing than a majority of the characters here by nature. He's this kind of swashbuckling hero that 
you know, in a different story, he would be the lead. And I do like how the film not necessarily subverts it, but certainly plays off of that to, you know, know, affect the story in interesting ways and Mm -hmm. affect the other characters. And I do think Momoa, yeah, he pulls off this kind of burst of energy that, you know, feels unique into itself, given the film where you have other people that are far more dreary. Um, but you know, also has a level of weight to it. So I mean, I, I, as one with less connection to Duncan Idaho, I was just happy to see Momoa here fitting in while also being like, you know, a a different kind of fun that you could have in this film. I love how, um, people are like, uh, I saw this tweet go around that, uh, people were like, okay, spice, uh, this, uh, psychoactive substance that also makes intergalactic space travel happen. Okay. I'm with it. Giant space worms roaming around, uh, the planet. Okay. I'm with it. Duncan, Idaho. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I can't buy that name. That's unbelievable. No, I can't. <laughs> but it's... Was Frank Herbert born in Idaho or something? Or he just, <laughs> he just loves the state. He's from Puerto Rico. There you go. You know, I made that it, up. It, That's it, not true. <laughs> so it's... it's it's interesting that you mentioned the, the purpose of spice because I don't think that's actually in the movie in this version. Like they say that it's valuable and they say that it's the most precious thing in the universe, but I don't think they explain why. They, they, I, they I say one line about it, which is like it's used for intergalactic travel. And that's how intergalactic space travel works. Yeah, but and, they don't really explain it beyond that. And the, the there is a line about the Fremen believe it. Um, it does have uh, it's it's holy or it ha- has some life extending ability, something mm. like that. I don't want to stray too far away from like talking about the characters for now because we can get back to this. But I mean, I look at spice and just think well it's either cocaine or oil like it's just like it's sure, yeah, it, yeah. Right, it seems to represent either one of those things to it's me. oil if you could snort it yeah so there you there go, you go. <laughs> it's... um what one thing i want to say about casting i, I think the i i really loved everyone in the role um i think the, the one thing i want to point out here is um there you know dune has so many different influences and one influence definitely comes from um, Middle Eastern culture and Islamic influences as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a bummer not to see any representation of Middle Eastern or um, uh, North African actors. Um, Javier Bardem, I think, is supposed to kind of play that role in a, as a Fremen leader. And this is also where, you know, we don't we don't see a ton about the Fremen in this film. And, you know, it is titled Dune uh, Part One. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that might be expanded on in the future. But that's that's one thing that I uh, I think a lot of people have been either criticizing the casting at best or at worst talking about appropriation. And, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion of let's let's wait and see. This is half the story. And I I hope will that'll be expanded on in in the next movie. Um, But that's that's one thing that does feel like. Uh, I, I think this could have been better. It's the kind of thing I, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I agree in a lot of ways. It's the kind of thing where I know the next part of this film is going to involve the Fremen more. And that is an opportunity to do a lot more with what that means. I get that you have a large budget movie and, you know, casting Zendaya and Javier Bardem in key roles that represent key characters in this that that's going to play a certain way. Like there's a certain logic to it that I understand doesn't need to necessarily justify it, but I, I get that. But I do look forward to, see, you know, given how big of a, you know, 
the, the, the cast members they had for this movie, which is pretty star studded, even if it's largely, you know, character actors or people that aren't necessarily, you know, a list stars that get people in seats. It's still a commendable cast. I do yeah. wonder if part two will continue that streak, but also, yes, be something that's more, you know, acknowledging a, you know, a certain level of representation that could, that could speak more to basically the themes of this movie, which you're like alluding to already. Sure. Uh, the yeah. idea of a film that, very much has things like Western cultures invading uh, Middle East on its mind or the harvesting of natural resources from foreign lands. Like there's all kinds of, you know, obvious moments of symbolism that right. span back to the Crusades up to now as far as relevance. So, I mean, there's just so much there to capitalize on it. Yes, it would be great to see a film that could, especially something with this kind of, at this budget level where the appeal is not necessarily the stars is bringing the audience to the theaters, that is an opportunity to, you know, have a lot of different kinds of cast members that you don't generally get to see in these kinds of movies yeah. make a large impression in a in a movie such as this. Yeah, um, and someone uh, two two actors we haven't spoken as much about that I just want to mention. I I do really love their performances. Uh, Stellan Sarsgaard as the Baron. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was just complete so delicious. Um, I, I remember. <laughs> um, um, the Baron in the original, in the David Lynch. He's a big boy. He's uh, <laughs> just like, um, I mean, it, it very much fits that movie. Um, but here, um, this Baron uh, just felt right. Felt uh, it, it was it was restrained while also being like disgusting. Um, there's a there's a beat. <laughs> well, there's a beat that I will get to. But first off. I agree with you. I think he, Stellan Skarsgård, this is the kind of thing he could easily do. Like, I don't think it's too much of a challenge for him to play this kind of character, despite the physical mm-hmm. challenge it might be to wear the costume that he has to do for this character. Oh, I thought he just gained all the weight for because he's, he's like <laughs> he's, he's not he's, he's not Christian Bale. Very metal. Um, but 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 what I really what I really locked into was he is completely doing Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, like the way he yes, strokes his very balls, much so. strokes his yeah. bald head under the giant close up and everything. It's like. Okay, I like this just because I really like it's that reference. It's an element of his voice. I, exactly. I like that reference point. But the, as far as the moments that really convey his level of intimidation, there is a scene where he's across a giant table in a dining hall, and there's a character that's you know, asking him about a deal that they made. And so he gets up, and when you know the Baron gets up, that means he's like floating. <laughs> it, was, like, it was a beautiful visual shot. It's a great shot of him like floating across the room, and then right. you get this great like um, this this uh, two shot where you have the 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 weak the, the smaller man standing on one side of the frame, and the Baron just slowly coming towards him with his 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 girth in front of him like just about to like collide with him and it's like that's power like that's just looking at it's it's evil it's horrible like the every like the visualization of him is obviously is meant to represent evil like there's no you know you can you can try oh, is to, that why he wears black you can try to assign a reason to why he's evil it's like it's just like an embodiment of it and i i really like that depiction of of this character like i i look forward to seeing more of what this side of things what their deal is as we kind of get into another story of this eventually yeah. Uh, speaking of memes and uh, method acting, there was a there's a meme that's going around that's uh, uh, Christian Bale has gained 435,000 pounds to to play one of the worms. In Dune. <laughs> <laughs> and that that just makes me laugh. Like, don't don't tempt him, guys. He will do it. Uh, Ali, what was the other character you wanted? To... <laughs> oh, you know, I, I like uh, Rebecca Ferguson as she's uh, very Lady good Jessica. here. Yeah. 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 She. Um, you know, she's a complicated character and she's playing both a a mother and um, someone who um, 
Silas, you'd be able to say better. Is is she in in this in this part of the story? Is she technically part of the Bene Gesserit? I don't I don't think she is. Right? She's trained by them, but she's not technically of them. Silas, is that you know the answer? To that question? Yeah, and they they briefly touched in the movie. There was kind of a falling out uh, because they had told her to to only have daughters, uh-huh. and right. like she had a son, and that was a problem. Which I love what that uh, what that is even alluding to is the level of control and manipulation that the Bene Gesserit have. Um, so this is a character that is um, walking a lot of different lines, one who's very political, but also a mother um, and political in the sense of, um, you know, this uh, she's. She's not technically married. I mean, she's a concubine. It's it, there's so much stuff here, but she's she's a part of House Atreides, um, but she's also a mother. She's a part of the Bene Gesserit, and she's doing her own manipulation. And I think there there's a lot going on with this character, and this character can also kick major butt. And we get to see a lot of different sides of Lady Jessica. And I thought Rebecca Ferguson did did just a wonderful job walking all those lines. Moving into kind of the narrative, to, and we can still talk about cast members as they apply to it, but, you know, obviously we're seeing the first half of a of a story, um, but the film, you know, it, it needs to kind of satisfy a certain level of, like, a three-act structure to just kind of make a level of, of narrative sense. Did you guys appreciate, like, how it kind of set things up and found a way to conclude itself despite still having more story to tell? Like Silas, did you were you yeah, knowing well, that this, like, is, this, is, a, is, this is an expanded version, obviously compared to you know a, a, the two hour forty twenty minute Lynch version? Did you appreciate how this movie decided to divide itself? I did. Um, I I and, and in some ways I think it's going to benefit from like having a time jump. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I the idea that I, I guess I don't want to get into too much what happens, but giving giving these actors a chance to age a little bit uh or weather them a bit is is going to play off. Yeah, I can see that given the end point of this film. I, and I do, I, I do mm-hmm. also like it oh uh, from from a purely like Denny Villeneuve way, uh I, I love his I it's super prevalent in Arrival, but I kind of think it's in a lot of his films like the non-linear quality. Sure. Um sure. and I I like that the way he treats it in this movie is almost like the closer you get to a point, the more intense it becomes. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Speaking like of, of Paul's dreams and uh, what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. 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 I thought that was, that was really well done was how, um, how those dreams um, played off towards the towards the end of the film um i think the the arc of this film makes just a ton of sense which is i think a big achievement for adapting dune um the fact that it's easy to follow that we it gives us a lot of time to really invest in house atreides to invest in this conflict um to really understand who these characters and these these key places are um I, I love Silas what you said of, you know, it, this is kind of like if if a new hope ended with the Millennium Falcon taken off from Tatooine, um, like wow, um, that's a lot of what time would... spent on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Those Moss Eisley seeds have gone on for a long. We're in a lot time. of bar stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it is, it does feel like that, and um, 
it, it, it makes this movie so easy to follow and really feel invested. So I, I think it, while it ends in, in somewhat of a frustrating way, because you, you really want to know what happens next. Um, it, it does feel like a good chapter one. Mm-hmm. And, and I wouldn't even go so far as like, maybe to call it frustrating. Perhaps I'd, I'd say that I was eager to see yeah like the rest of it because that's so. just how much of like we'll talk about the filmmaking in, in uh coming up but you know that's how much the filmmaking was just engrossing me in the movie as one that has an idea of where things are going to a certain degree just based off the lynch movie it, i found this to be just a, a a perfect place to stop as far as far as this goes um like size I, I get exactly what you're saying as far as we have a chance to do something as far as seeing how these characters grow in real time to a degree and like letting that affect where everyone is next time around at the mm-hmm. same time. I just, I really like the structure of this thing because of, I mean, we mentioned like game of Thrones already, but like because of the, the way power gets distributed in this movie and how that has an effect. Like there is some turns that happen as far as the progression of the houses that, Mm-hmm. I, it turned it into a thrilling movie for like a good bit. Like I was already engaged on a, you know, just a examining this world aspect and, you know, understanding who, these, which characters, what, but like it becomes this, you know, it becomes a pretty hardcore adventure movie where, where I, I, <laughs> I honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen at certain points. There are mm-hmm. various characters in jeopardy and I just, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be necessarily. And I, I found that to be really I mean, really fun. Honestly, like it's fun to just be yeah. on my toes, like watching the right. story play out, uh, even knowing that there's still another half of uh, half another movie to go to really finish all of this. I really like the trajectory it took me down as far as, you know, ke- keeping me alert as far as, as far as like, okay, what's what's next? What's the next move? What's what's going on here? Right. What's going on there? So I just I, I think this is you know for as I've explained in the the kind of the prologue to all this the film's been deemed unfilmable or the movies, the book's been deemed unfilmable before. And it's like, I get why, but it's, you know, now with all that's available, I, I'm just really impressed with how much has been able to accomplish in just half of a story that we bring to Very much so. And you know, to everybody's uh, sentiments, I, what I also dig is that these characters are complex characters. And I don't mean that in terms mm-hmm. of like, Oh yeah. You know, like it's hard to follow who Timothy Chalamet is. No, like I don't get a great sense of, it, so when Aaron mentions like, well, he's the hero, ostensibly the hero. It's like, is he though? And then also like, oh, Rebecca <laughs> Ferguson's character, like, you know, she's she's kind of just there like helping out. It's like, mm. yeah, Aaron didn't say that part, but it's like, you know, there's there's some depth and some gray with these characters that I really dig, and so that gives me a lot of great hope uh, for part two. Um, like even uh, sort of like the the action sequence toward the end there when when they're meeting up with um, uh, Babs. Uh, yeah, the Fremen. Um, I was like, oh, well, I saw a vision earlier, and this isn't exactly what it is. So, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen here. I, Aaron, to your point, I'm on my toes, and I'm curious, like, how are they going to resolve this? And it does come to a resolution, but it kind of just adds more of, I wonder what I'm seeing when I'm when I'm viewing Paul's visions. Just to, uh, just to be clear on something, we, we have characters named, like, Gurney Halleck, and Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, and you know, Vladimir. Among, that's, I don't know those among other things. I can't even tell you what the men tat that Thurfor how the Fremen the the Fremen. <laughs> that's just free man combined and like pronounced slightly differently. Like that is that what I'm getting out of this? Given that they're like indigenous people on Arrakis, this this Fremen, Fremen. I 
I will throw out uh, pronunciations in Dune are kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like uh, th- there are ways that Frank Herbert pronounces like uh, he calls uh, Chani Chaney, uh, which I'm glad they didn't go with. <laughs> but even like uh, Harkonnen is weird for me to hear because it was always Harkonnen to me. Uh, mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, they're Swiss or they're, 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 they're Nordic. <laughs> I mean, it's Devlin Skarsgård. <laughs> That's true. Oh, great point. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, there's like a lot of Onan or Conan or something like that. Like, I just like when some of it becomes very simple, like Mount Doom in Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah, the Fremen. <laughs> like, we, we just, I never thought about it, but yeah, you're right. Let's just let, you know, let's, some of these need to be straightforward. Paul, Jessica. Frodo Baggins at the Sheriff. Mount Doom. Mount Doom. Like, what do we call the big evil thing it's in the middle? It gets to where it needs to go. I don't know if it sounds more elaborate and elvish, but for the time being, about <laughs> Doom. Just, so when I got to, like, Fremen, I'm like, oh, well, I get that. That's easy. That's, just, that's simple enough. Uh, Aaron, uh, a couple of things you said that uh, related to the structure of the film. Um, you're talking about how the movie sort of does become an action um, movie towards the end. And I think that's another achievement here is – Dune is about so many different things, the book, and this movie is also about so many different things. And it lets those moments, um, it, it lets those themes have just enough time to build this larger universe. There's a moment in this movie that is about climate change. Mm-hmm. There's a moment in this movie that is about um uh, exploiting resources. There's a moment about this movie that's about, there's many moments about power and there's some great reveals about what does power do um, and how it can drive people against each other or towards each other. Um, there, there's uh, all those, those moments. And I, I think um, we were talking about this at the top of, at the top of the show about all the great world building. Um, it, it allows those moments to have just enough time for you to get intrigued by them uh, and and move forward um, and not kind of dumb it down in a way where it slows everything down and explains everything to you. So the, the structure of this film and how much time it gives all these these seeds time to grow is, is just really lovely. Uh, I'd love to get into some of the filmmaking. Nope. Yeah, we okay. can do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. As I already you mentioned. didn't use the right pitch. Oh, right. I want to get into the filmmaking. There you go. If he, I mean, as I already mentioned, Greg Frazier, as the cinematographer who did, among other films, Zero Dark Thirty and um, um, that other one that I had in my Rogue, Rogue One, um, because I really, ah. I really love the cinematography of Rogue One a lot. Um, I, I, I do think there's, there's a lot of bigness to this that is what I really liked about Rogue One uh, specifically, as far as like other worlds and like seeing them on a, on a huge level. Um, but it really comes to life here, for, especially for a property where, you know, I, you know, even with something like Rogue One, I'm not going to keep using it, but like I know various planets or what have you already. I don't know anything about the planets in Dune. I don't, I don't know the names of hand or what have you. I don't, I don't know which ones have certain environments or whatnot. So going into this, it's like I'm just going in fresh. I really love how well we, ha- you know, we've been able to establish Caladan among others, uh, Arrakis, obviously, um, and like what what it is that makes them the planet that they are, and that you know that includes the you know the scenery as well as the technology, all very insect inspired, by the way, which I really dug. 
Um, there's just a lot there that comes through thanks to a tremendous effort on both uh, Fraser's part as well as the VFX team and the production designers. There's just there's it's a full meal of a film. Um, and it calls attention to itself in a way that makes sense because yes, you want to understand how this, how these various worlds work, but it doesn't, but again, like I said before, it doesn't make you feel like you're drowning in trying to understand all of this. It just feels like it's very organic to the presentation that's on hand. Completely. And I, you know, everything that you said and, and more, because there's just a lot of grandness, but I was like, I can't tell how, if this is how much of this is practical versus how much of this is actually like shooting like maybe like out in some small sand beach or something like that. It's like, I, I'm glad that I couldn't really see where all the seams were. Um, and that allows me to just be in the movie. And one of my favorite shots in this movie, cinematography is great, but one of my favorite shots is actually kind of just like this throwaway, like the, I'm going to call them the witches, but they're, they're called the, the, um, the Bene Gesserit. Like they're just walking in the middle of the night at, they exit their ship. And it's kind of like, this is a great shot. Um, and I, I just dug that there was a lot of movie making in this that allowed me to really be captivated by the story. Silas, thoughts on the kind of the the world that we see here and Villeneuve's efforts as a filmmaker with his team? Oh, I think it's it's just an incredible marriage of of Dune and Denny Villeneuve. Like the, the guy is a talented filmmaker. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of hard to deny. Ali, any uh, additional? Uh, I, I agree with everything that's that's been said. Um, I think um, Abe, you're talking about the you you can't really see how much of this is practical versus computer generated. Uh, the the way some of these shots are 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 really done makes this film seem so timeless. Because um, that's a great uh, point. You know, it's it, it feels to me like the, similar to Jurassic Park where you, you can't quite tell um, what is what, and it allows the film to hold up so well. So it's it's you're not really looking for the, oh, wow, the, the eye candy moments, um, mm-hmm. as you would maybe like an Avengers film. Um, it, there's nothing here in terms of effects that we haven't seen before, um, but it just it, it allows me to to be much more engrossed in the film. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were talking about the Batman before. I think um, David Craig is is doing um, uh, or Greg Frazier, not David Craig. Who's David Craig? Um, I think he's a singer. Oh, well, there you go. I don't think he's doing the Batman, but um, <laughs> Greg Frazier's doing the Batman, too. So I'm, I'm very excited to see um, to see that style over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that Del, uh, Dennis uh, Villanoev, um, you know, I, I've, I've loved this about all of his films. Um, definitely uh, Blade Runner 2049, but um, especially in um, in Arrival, I, I think Arrival similarly did this well, where the aliens and the technology um it never took me out of the movie. I, I, I just really felt uh, very absorbed in the film. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I felt throughout Dune. I, I don't think there's anything more I could say about how beautiful it was. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ali, it, I just want to warn you, if you start dreaming of heptapods, seek help. <laughs> it's too late. Although, although they could be trying to tell you something. <laughs> it, it's a lot of, like... <laughs> It's a lot of you. Met, you you talk about like the visual effects and like it's not necessarily doing anything new. And I I can agree to that to an extent. Like the innovation here is just how it's being applied as opposed to sure. trying to push things forward. 
we could be completely wrong and they did something we had no idea of like you know secretly chalamet and zendaya swapped roles or something but whatever i i the the, the point is they the, there is an effectiveness of the effects that does go beyond a sense of kind of understanding because it's like we get how things work to an extent as far as computers they do the things that we want them to do and great but it's there's there's something that it, it there's a there's a higher tactility here um that i don't always get from certain spectacle features right there's there's something that you know, the combination of you know practical sets and visual effects they're handled in a way that are you know i could measure that against any number of things where i feel a similar thing where you can almost you can feel like you reach out and touch it even if it's completely made up and not real now the fact that that goes along with a sense of scale i think is especially impressive this is a very huge scaled movie it feels like an epic it's the first half of an epic and i love seeing scale fully realized in features that's a part of why i really love gareth edwards godzilla i i think that that movie handles the sense of the the, the magnitude of these giant kaiju in those films really well that's why i like rogue one a lot because it's giving you this this great sense of like enormous planets that small people occupy or like a death star that's out there like it makes it very ominous so something like this yeah you have these you know we haven't even talked about the giant sandworms which abe you know i'm all about giant sandworms Uh, like it's the you know seeing the how it's able to you know focus both on the humanity but also give us this depiction of like tiny soldiers falling from the sky uh or these little ships that are you know when you get right up to them they're huge and they carry 30 people at a time or whatever uh, the, the way you convey that's you know effectively I, villadov has a has a very strong handle on and the yeah. fact that the guy that made you know enemy <laughs> and like prisoners <laughs> is making massively scaled movies like this and doing it as effectively as he can let alone his you know non-english language films polytechnique what you know incendies what like it's 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 pretty it's pretty remarkable yeah, and, and again, we're beating – or I'm being a dead horse here, but because of the way that the story is laid out – and Aaron, to use your words, like this is such a full meal, that's probably why I didn't really – like I probably tried to see some of the seams, but I was also engrossed as to like, well, if Paul and Rachel – Rachel, if Paul and um, – Paul and Rachel. Yeah. They were uh, on a break. Yeah, they were on a break. <laughs> right, yeah. But if Paul and, and uh, Lady Jessica are not running toward the rocks – then something bad might happen. It's like, of course, I know that they didn't have like real sandworms in the movie, and that some of these sand dunes are are CGI. Yeah, they had but... one, then they had to double it in, in that. Oh, bag. oh, <laughs> so when they do like crowds these days, exactly like that. Yes, yeah. um, I think you're. Uh, we we've definitely seen examples of that, but um, yeah, that that's kind of like where it really comes in, just very very like um, robust, right? Because the characters are there, the the action sequence, which I want to talk about very soon. As well, the action sequences are there, and then there's also just um, everything around, like miles and miles and miles of sand, or like miles and miles and miles of like rock and blue water, or you know, I don't know, like what planet um, the um, uh, the uh, Harkonnens are on, but it's like, yeah, you know, that's like where it seems Harkonnens. like dark, Oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> Conans are on, but it seems dark, desolate, and like full of sulfur or something. You know what I mean? And um, but there's also like the the like the Imperial guards, and I don't know what they were doing either. But oh, they were so cool. Yeah, I was like, there's there's a lot here for me to visually take in, and I get that. You know, if it were a more boring movie, I would definitely be looking for like, well, you know, that, look at those repeat soldiers, Aaron. So. Um, yeah. it, 
Aaron, you said something uh, I think really um, summarizes a lot uh, of, of what I was trying to say, but you said it more eloquently, like that while the film doesn't give us anything new, it does it, it does kind of show things in a new way. And I think w what's also important is what it doesn't show us. Like we didn't get a hyperspace scene. We don't see them going to warp. We don't really see that travel from one place to another. And it, to me, that that made Dune feel like it, it knows its place in the sci-fi universe. It knows that it influenced so many other things that have come. And it, it doesn't try to tell the story in the same way that Star Wars has or Star Trek has or some of the other great science fiction franchises have. It is doing, um, it's showing a lot of restraint in um in the way it it reveals things which which i think is wonderful with with the worms uh with the sandworms um you know they're there if you don't know anything about dune you, if you don't know about mind killer you know about about the worms right like those are fears of mind killer and the sandworms those are like mm -hmm. two things most people know about dune and the and way sting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the thing. It's Christian Bale. You know, everyone's excited to see the performance <laughs> um, and, and and the way they're shown and the way they're they're not shown is is uh, really makes you excited to see more and understand more about about these creatures. What yeah. I like and about the, the worms and that's going to bring me to like the last thing I want to get into before we can mm -hmm. wrap up is the the level of reverence that they have both from the Fremen as well as the movie itself. Like, the first major sequence involving a sandworm, it's treated, and I didn't, I, I saw this in a large theater, but I didn't see this in IMAX. I look forward to seeing it again in like a, with the IMAX presentation, but I did see this sequence on the Dune, like, 30-minute preview that they showed early last in the, earlier in the summer. Mm -hmm. the, the, the scale, and the, again, it goes back to the scale, but the scope it has for showing, like, how magnificent this thing is, that it's inhaling, a, you know, a, a, a large vehicle, the way that's shown and the way these characters just kind of look at it with awe, there's a sense of wonder there that, you know, so only so many movies are able to like achieve uh, these right. days, you know, in modern times. I, I, you know, as much as I, as much as we can enjoy certain Marvel movies or what have you, I, I it's rare that I find them really like delivering a sense of wonder uh, mm -hmm. and, and, as opposed to just familiar levels of entertainment. So this movie, the way it's giving you these worms, or other moments that feel, or you know, there's a sequence involving a giant sandstorm, and yep. how yep. characters are kind of dealing with that. There's, I, I really like the way the, the film seems to like let these characters, you know, flow in a spiritual way, and that speaks to a lot, you know, some of some of just some of the themes involving Dune as far as far as you know, characters that are you know, either appropriating certain religions or are true believers in certain aspects of whatever world they occupy. I, I really like, you know, the different levels of psychology going on here as far as how I can see these characters, what they stand for, what they believe in or what have you. I found that stuff to be interesting to chew on after the fact and things that I'll be considering, continuing to consider as we kind of eventually get to a second film. Right. And one of the last things I want to bring up is something that you brought up, Ali. The clarity of the action sequences here are well done. Um, you know, they're they're better because I, I think maybe I respect it more because I was like, well, Denny, I've seen some action sequences that he's made, whether it's in Sicario or whether that's in uh, Blade Runner 2049. But here it's like he's there's more action in those movies. And so I, I appreciate that I was able to visually see like these guys like Aaron, to your point paratrooping down but then also in a later sequence like they're just like 
seems like they're floating down with some sort of technology, which is great. And then how they're fighting, like there's close combat sequences as well, whether that's in a hallway with uh, Duncan Idaho. Like, yeah, I I dig that I'm able to see everything that's happening here instead of getting like, I hate to say it, but it's like sometimes in a Marvel movie, you'll see like cut, 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 cut. And it's just like, it's so dark. I can't actually see Gamora fighting um, her sister, right? And it's like, but this one is very visually... Uh, okay, visually uh, powerful. So it sets up things well too, with like the shields and how the technology works in this world. Yeah. So you can really read it. And really like, sucks. You gotta you gotta have somebody watching your back. Silas, is there more you wanted to say about the the kind of like anything we're kind of addressing here as far as the the stuff goes? Um, I would I would just point out like a, as a fan of the of Dune, it's interesting like the negative space. Um, yeah. The, the yeah, characters yeah. That, that don't appear. Like you mentioned Sting, his character doesn't appear in this movie. Yeah. And I love that. I love that, like, oh, in the sequel, I can totally see introducing another perspective because that character is kind of like the, the Harkonnen Paul. Mm-hmm. Who's the Sting? It's Harry Styles. He'll be, he'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, like I, I would bet on Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay. I mean, he, he did make enemy with <laughs> villains. Yeah, and, and, and prisoners. And prisoners. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Detective and, and Loki. really... He does seem like the the like more adult uh, Timothy Chalamet in like the, the sense of him like he, he's the more veteran version he's of that kind of guy because he's older and he's trained and right. but he's a bad guy. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, two, yeah. yeah, two Thanks. things I want to mention. Something I really loved and something I'm at best neutral on. Um, I really love the sound design. Uh, Abe, oh, I think yeah. you were. You're talking about the um, the imperial forces we hear or see. Um, the sound design, the yeah, throat singing, yeah, yeah. It was it was really um, throughout the film um, how much sound was was telling the story of these different houses and um, different people. I, I thought was like on point. Um, the score, uh, Hans Zimmer's score was uh, yeah, fine. Um, oh, I, I like I was, the score a lot. I was really, really? into the score. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering what people think about it. I, I, I was fine with it. I kind of want to pay more attention to it on second watch. Okay. I really dig it. I I really like the kind of experimental stuff he's doing here with yeah. involved, like we mentioned, like the didgeridoo stuff and the throat singing and like, you know, the things that evoke a certain past period on here sure. on Earth that feel universal enough to be able to incorporate in this. I I, I was into it. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I is it like. Well, even then, like I at this point, like if I heard certain strings or like the you know the kind of the choir singing voices, I could I, I could readily identify that with do. Not that that's what makes it a good score, but I do think it's there's something there for me that I really responded to. It's it's definitely different than uh, what Hans Zimmer has done in the past, and I appreciate how much it it does sound more more uh, of the world than sure. than a lot of his work. And apparently, he's a huge Dune fan. Um, so he was really excited to do this. Um, yeah, he has fear of the mind killer tattooed on the, on the small of his back. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Hans. Amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's on, that's on the, that's on the large of his back, like on the shoulder blades, Hans. <laughs> it says Hans on one blade and then Bubby on the other, but cause he's also a huge diehard fan. <laughs> This makes sense, and nobody can verify it because we've never seen Hans Zimmer without a shirt off. Only the people that Coachella. <laughs> Hans Zimmer at Coachella. 
<laughs> he was there. He was there that one year. Are you serious? Yeah, he was at Coachella. Would... He was shredding on his guitar. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. He was at he was at Coachella. He was he was, he was playing his scores. Live. He he tours. He does his stuff. Yeah. Oh wow. That's cool. It's not all jokes, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> We're serious sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I can kind of see it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Dune before we kind of move on? I know we've talked about a variety of different things. Oh, yeah. I ahead. will say, and it, it it's not so much about the movie, but what a disappointing uh, show from Warner Brothers just in terms of, of the way this movie was released. Like, How to so? put it... It, it feels like a movie that is very much like the power of cinema and, and a movie that should be seen on the big screen. And to put it on a streaming service, uh, to even have it launch on the streaming service early and to not commit to to doing the second part. I mean, there was there was a Benny Jester TV series that I guess is more likely to happen now that was going to tie into it. It just feels like with with Lord of the Rings, the the attitude was we're going to make these movies because we have, have faith in them. And I feel like Warner Brothers release of Dune was like, I don't know if we have faith in anything, even movies. I mean, I, I this could go on, but I, I hear what you're saying at the same time. I mean, I, I they they put all of their marketing powers they could into this thing to like get it sold. But I mean, I. I, I I'm not gonna say Warner Brothers is always the 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 good guy and all this and there's 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 only nothing but reasons to defend them but at the same time it's like audience tendencies have shifted dramatically since Lord of the Rings have happened to the point where you know just greenlighting Dune for me you know years ago when it happened at this point I was like why would you even try to make this I don't see this movie being a success I'm glad that so far it is but I I mean I I, I I'm un, I'm understanding in where expectations may lie and Warner Brothers is like having on top of that a you know a pandemic and a variety of things that made the real you know shifted the release from a much more suitable you know Christmas release time which I think would have really helped benefit I mean I there's only so much you can do I think to kind of make this the hit that it needs to be to guarantee certain things yeah, and it's also weird because I you know um I think Silas taking more of your side a little bit it it's also I, I, I scoffed when Denny Villeneuve was just like, I, this isn't how you should watch Dune. You shouldn't be watching it at home, and you shouldn't also be, you should be trying to watch it in theaters because that's how I make movies. Um, and then when I saw Dune, I was like, no, this guy's right. <laughs> like this movie is, it's made on such a scale that that you should try and see this in a large format movie theater. Um, but I also agree that you know the flip side is yes, the pandemic, Warner Brothers kind of did this with all their releases. And they're kind of playing that bet card of like, well, you know, we'll try and get some subscription somewhere um, as well as like trying to like get this box office money. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Silas, in terms of like, well, the 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 iffiness and Aaron, you, you mentioned that there's probably were some maybe some backward some contracts that just Villeneuve was like, you got to give me two parts or else I'm not making even part one. It's like I would probably agree that there's some sort of leverage that he has that said like hey you know you have to green light everything um before i even sign on and, Silas, I, agree, I agree with you that it's it's annoying that they're playing coy with just mentioning yeah. the fact that they have a sequel planned like i that's irritating that it especially because yeah in marketing this film you're marketing as dune and not dune part one like there's right. no for a general audience i can understand it's like why are we not making certain assurances by saying this and it's weird yeah. it's a it sits in a weird position of 
well, yes, do they believe in this enough to not hide the fact that it's only half of a story or what? Like, what's the what's right. the gain? What's the goal right now here? I, I on that on that level, I, I understand what you're saying, Silas. So. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I. Uh... I feel like this could be a whole nother episode and there's so many things uh, I want to say about this discussion um, as, uh, to go on Silas's point. I um, it, it it is really uh, not a cool move. Warner Brothers, when they have been looking for so long for their next great franchise after mm-hmm. Harry Potter um, and they're so easily did invest in the Fantastic Beasts series. Um, you th- you would love to see the same level of confidence and investment in a property like like Dune, given the cultural capital it has. So that that is disappointing. Um, and you know, at the same time, um, having this available uh, streaming only, or it's not streaming only, but streaming and and film. Um, I love the accessibility that it has for people like me. Right. Where for me, um, a night out at, at the movies, especially if it's my wife and I going, um, it's it's over a hundred dollars because we have to get a babysitter, and this allows me to watch it in a way that I can still enjoy it and experience it, and um, and be a part of the conversation that I wouldn't otherwise. And I think one of the things that I've experienced in the pandemic is uh, if a film is only available in a theater and I want to go see it, then then I go see it like Shang-Chi. I went to go see it because I couldn't see it otherwise. If it's available in both places, it is hard for me to go to the theater to see it because it's just so much more accessible here at home. So I, I, I do think if you're a studio that really believes in something being seen in the largest format possible, don't make it available streaming because people like me, they're going to watch it streaming. Well, it's also <laughs> circumstance. I mean, if like, you know, if you make it, you make a deal like that at the beginning, at the beginning of, or at the end of last year for both, yes, yeah, subscription numbers, but also because you frankly don't know the availability of theaters based off, you know, a, a plague on the planet. I mean, you, you, you can't, I mean, you make the deal, like you don't alter the deal at that point, right? I mean, you have to kind of stick with your guns with every single release, as you said, next year will be different. But like for the time being, I mean, it's, it's it's not you know I it's not like this is Waterworld's preferred way of doing this either. They're not like I hope we make Dune and not only that we make it accessible immediately in our our streaming service also. Like it's it's. Well, I mean, was it a mistake though to to commit to everything in 2021 being HBO? I don't and think it was a mis- I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was a. It's a reflection of how optimism did not pan out with Tenet, and therefore we have to make a certain kind of adjustment to to a lot for audiences. You know, the world not getting back on its feet in the way we were we had hoped to, and so we have to make a concession here because our movies need to stop being delayed. We have to have them come out in some capacity. Therefore, here's a way to do that while also amplifying the streaming service that's going to stick around for years to come. Like, how can we get a whole bunch of subscribers? What if we did a whole slate of movies for a year, you know, be on, be available day and date. Like that's, it's a, it's a, there's risks there. There's like, it's not a foolproof plan. I acknowledge that. It's not like there's so many holes in all of this that, that I, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't envy being in charge of HBO and Warner brothers and all of that to have to make these kind of decisions, but I I get where it came from. I I understand why that was the choice that they ended up making. It just seems like uh, in retrospect now, and of course, like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, these are our decisions um, that we were not privy to, but it, it does seem like Disney's path where 
they um, didn't commit to everything in the calendar year yeah, coming out in yeah. theater was probably the better move. Um, Black Widow, they were able to have both. Um, Shang Chi. Oh, although the, the Black Widow move didn't help yeah, them at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Lost <laughs> to the side. Lost to the side. <laughs> well, you know, they, they spent the money. Uh, yeah, they got the money. Yeah. Um, I, I will say it is um, uh, one thing I had the experience of seeing in on the small screen at home, and then seeing in the big screen. Um, I saw the uh, Matrix uh, Resurrections trailer at home first, and was really underwhelmed by it. And then it, it also played when I went to go see Shang Chi. And when I saw that trailer on the big screen, I was like all all about it. I was like, this film looks great. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to see this now. So I, I think there is definitely um, I mean, I, there's yet, an emotional yet, aspect. I've yet to see the Matrix trailer on a big screen, and you just sound like a crazy person. That's that's. What I'm <laughs> like. I know. I I thought I was, but you know, the one thing while I have a big screen, the one thing I can't replicate is the sound. Um, my sound is never going to be as good as it is in theater. And what I'm also not going to be able to replicate is the experience of an uninterrupted film viewing. You know, uh, there's always going to be some kind of disruptions at home, whether it's ambient sound I can't eliminate or my daughter crying from her room and me trying to ignore it or my wife asking a ton of questions. Uh, I think that's that's gets to some of the psychology here of the the film going experience and why why it is so important to be able to see films and, and the way they were intended of the screen size, the way it was intended and the sound, the way it was intended in this pristine experience, uninterrupted experience, you can have, you can experience different emotions watching that in the theater than you are at home. Um, that being said, those, those boundaries are going to keep being blurred as, as time moves forward. Note to well Abe, by yeah. Ali, noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm sorry that I kept sending DoorDash to your, to your phone, you know, to really interrupt your viewing experience. I was just like, I think he wants chicken wings right now. <laughs> I'll take both. There you uh, go. That sounds great. Let's, uh, well, we've had this discussion, but now let's talk about when people should go and see Dune. Uh, <laughs> we've, obviously, I, I, you know, we're all fairly positive on the, on the film. I mean, I mean, Silas, I understand whatever misgivings you have, but I still think it's fair to say that you, you, there's plenty of things that you can, you know, support about what we've gotten in in this Dune part one. Is that fair? Oh, sure. I mean, I think it's an excellent movie. It's Uh just, it's sort of this weird paradox of uh, being excellent, but also underwhelming. Yeah. I, I, based off where you're coming from, I, I I completely understand With, with that in mind, when should people go and see this movie? I would say as soon as possible on as big a screen as possible. There you go. Ali, how about you? Yeah, I would say um, if you are someone who loves this genre, um, whatever genre you would have called, dude. Um, Romantic you need comedy. To see it. <laughs> yeah, or a good old rom-com. We were on a break. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's uh, you, you should do it to yourself to see us on a, on a premium size screen. I actually want to go see it. I'll probably go solo. I'll escape my family for a few hours and see this. Um, I want to see this on an IMAX screen, um, a real IMAX screen. Um, is, is the film is, is the most of it filmed in IMAX IMAX ratio or is it just key sequences? Don't I, know. I believe it's about 40 minutes of the movie is yeah. IMAX. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I, that's I, 
if you're if you're a fan of this genre, you you owe it to set to yourself to see it on that large screen. If you're not, and you're just kind of Dune curious, um, I would say you can you can watch at home. Fire up that HBO Max, um, so that more people can hopefully get exposed to this world and and fall in love with uh, Arrakis. Dune curious is a very interesting part of the LDGBT spectrum. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> Dune. Yeah. Abe, where are you on this? Uh, on our old scale of, uh, I, w- I would say that you should watch this in IMAX. Like this is a movie that is built for that. Um, I would also, again, what we've been saying the whole entire time during COVID, do it safely. Like I did not see this in a large format screen theater just because there were too many people nearby. Like it, either that was Dolby or whether that was like true IMAX. So I ended up just seeing it like at a 9:45 show where I had like half the theater to myself and there was only like two other people in the the theater because again i'm still trying to like be as super safe as possible but hey man like this is a movie that was epic in proportions and it probably looks great on a huge large format screen yeah get your uh your fremen uh designed moisture suit and go to a theater (laughs) and you'll be completely safe and able to enjoy all of this in its imax glory which is the preferred viewing method i would say uh granted uh, certain availability aspects, but I mean, yeah, just see this as soon as you can because I think Dune is pretty spectacular. Um, yeah, I, I will say I I, uh, I went to see No Time to Die at the Alamo Draft House, and it was cool to like drink a martini as Bond was drinking a martini. <laughs> there was something kind of fun. About how how was that martini prepared? During Dune, probably stirred. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably stirred it. And also, <laughs> did you drink as many as he did in the movie? Well, you there was a drug by the time you got out. <laughs> but it, th- there was like a weird similar like it was very satisfying to wear a face mask when the characters are wearing face masks. <laughs> <laughs> Apropos. <laughs> well, we, we've done it, guys. We've talked a lot about Dune. <laughs> uh, wow. Extended discussion. Now it's uh, we still got other stuff to do, though, guys. We now it's is. Uh, is... Yeah. Are we about the runtime of Dune? Is this podcast? Oh, we're going to get there. I think, Can you sync yeah, up? The time it's all done, yes. Yeah. Uh, Ollie, most of our shows sync up with the runtime. <laughs> 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 um, let's, let's get into the... Hey, what, what time is it here? Aaron, it's time for a quick game here. abrupt it was a quick it was a quick one. little known fact that's actually the sound that paul hears in his dreams but then they're like you know we we're just gonna pay hans <laughs> paul's dreams by the way are called uh <laughs> do i dream of electric worms uh okay moving on <laughs> that that was of course the improv theme for games and i have a game for you guys this week it is called we doing this we doing this <laughs> This is a list of films that were all based off of seemingly unfilmable books. I am going to to read the tagline for said movie, and you have to identify what movie I'm referring to. And again, the theme is unfilmable books. Got it. If you you know the answer, say your name, and then the answer. Got it. Here's the first one. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Oh, uh, Ali? Ali? Uh, Yeah. Um... One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Incorrect. Boom. Silas. Silas. Uh, American Psycho. It is American Psycho. That oh, makes a lot more sense. You're on the board. Here's the next one. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Um. Um. 
Uh, I'm gonna be mad when you tell uh, me the answer. Silas. <laughs> Silas. Is that V for Vendetta? It is V for Vendetta. Oh, uh, two that's... for two. Go Silas. It threw me off for a second. I was like, I know the quote, uh, but like, <laughs> I, I was thinking novels. Here's the next one. There's t- I have two here in case you don't get the first one. Signal Trace to Tokyo. Um, Here's the next one. Uh-huh. What? Yeah, um, oh, 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 you got it off that one. Ali, oh, this is a wild guess. Uh huh. Akira? It is Akira. Oh, Look at you. Nice. I was <laughs> yeah, waiting for nice. the second one. I was like, I think I might know it. but The second one was 38 years after World War Three. Yeah, I would definitely know. No, that wouldn't have helped yeah. me. <laughs> Here's the next one. There's one in all of us. There's one in all of us. I have a second tagline I'll read if you don't have the first one here. But yeah, there's one in all of us. Um... I mean, second time. Okay, read the second one. Let the wild rumpus start. Oh, Ali, Ali, Ali. Ali. Oh, Ali. Where the wild things are. Where the wild things are is the correct Great answer. trailer. One of the best trailers of the I love that film. I love that film, and they yeah, are the trailer. Yeah. And the book. And the, and the book, yeah. All uh, 1,500 pages. It's a long book. It's surprising. People don't remember how long that book is. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of... And it was still hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mostly three words on the pages, but it's a really thick book. <laughs> Here's the next one. This city is afraid of me. I've seen its true face. Ooh. Uh, this city's afraid of me. I've seen its true face. Um... Abe. Abe. It's not the answer. The Shadow. Incorrect. Oh, not a book. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> comic book. I mean, it's, I think it was a newspaper <laughs> of comic, if anything. It was printed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it I, actually, I believe it was a radio program. It's not even a comic book, actually. <laughs> it's an art form. <laughs> Come on, it man. It was in a medium. <laughs> yeah. The city is afraid of me. I've seen its true face. The city is afraid of me. True face. I do not know. I will say the book is from the 80s. The film adaptation is from the 2000s. Ooh. Uh. Hmm. It is I have no clue. Based on it. Okay. The We've already referenced the author once in this, in game, this show. In this game. In, in this, this game? game? <laughs> yes. Oh. It's not Maurice Sendak. He's <laughs> <laughs> got an expansive catalog. Yeah. Um, um, Ali. Ali. Um, um, Watchmen. It is Watchmen, yes. Wow. Oh, nice. that's right. There you go. Good it was job. a total Good guess job. because of V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job, Ali. Yeah, it wasn't Maurice Sendak's Watchmen. <laughs> Could you imagine? A lot of big pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's the next one. Welcome to the high life. Abe. Abe. You're in Lily in Las Vegas. Incorrect. I was the so confident. The confidence you had. Yeah, you yes. were. Yeah. Uh, this is a 2010s film. It stars a popular Marvel actor. 
I know what it is, but I can't remember the name. <laughs> oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Could you give what's the hint again? Welcome to the high life. Oh. Marvel character or Marvel actor? An actor um, from the Marvel Universe. A popular actor from the Marvel and mo- Universe. When was the movie? It's twenty in the 2010s. In 2010s. I think it's 2015 or 16, maybe. Um, I'll guess. It's a totally wild guess. That's probably wrong. Zodiac? Incorrect. Yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. I, I know I know you the know movie. It? I know the actor. I just can't remember the name. So let's go ahead and uh, say it, and I'll just steal. Who's the actor? It's a uh, it's Tom Hiddleston. It is. It's High Rise. That's the answer. That's oh. right. The, all I could think of in my head was the loft. Uh huh. I go. Which yeah. Is not both close places to that where you all. can sleep. Yeah. <laughs> here's the here's the next one. Uh huh. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a starter home. Choose dental insurance. Silas. Silas. Train spotting. It is train spotting. That is correct. Ah. Uh, here's the next one. This is actually part of a longer tagline, but they would all give it away, so I'm going to give you the last portion of it. One story, four lives, a million Abe. ways it can... Yeah? Abe? I'm so mad because it just left my mind as I was thinking about it. It is... <laughs> it is... Oh, my gosh. No, guys, don't don't steal it yet. It's, um, oh, my gosh. Nine. Abe! Abe? Uh, it's... um. <laughs> It's the one that we reference all the time. Is do we? <laughs> Maybe. I I, I blanked. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm so bad. I blanked. One, one story, four lives, a million ways it can end. Oh, uh, Ali. Ali. Adaptation. Adaptation is the correct answer. We don't. Yeah. Ah. We don't. Unfilmable. Definitely. I mean. Yeah, what what adaptation? It, it's that about was. it's about being <laughs> unfilmable. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Here's the next one. Uh, a few more. Exterminate all rational thought. The book was banned. The film should have. Silas. Been... Yeah. Naked lunch. Naked lunch is the correct answer. There you go. I love that movie. Great confidence. I've actually never seen I... Naked Lunch, and I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. I need to get on that someday. It is like. I, I'm a big beat poet fan, uh, uh-huh. and I don't particularly like the book of Naked Lunch. It's it's kind of just like weird stuff, but it's like Cronenberg doing a biopic uh, of Burroughs, and it, it's so cool. I was going to say Starship Troopers, so I'm glad <laughs> I didn't say that. All right, here's the next one. The anti-war satire of epic proportions. Oh, uh, Abe. Abe. Jojo Rabbit. Incorrect. Short story, right? Jojo Rabbit is a short story, but yeah, it's not. That's not the answer. Just making sure like you made like your calling own other question. mediums into question. <laughs> yes, yes, you were correct in the genre. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-war satire. Uh, Silas. Silas. I have a guess. Yeah. Uh, Wag the dog. Incorrect. Mm. Uh, this is a 70s film from a, I believe, Academy Award winning director. I, I have no idea. Aaron. It's based off a, okay, I'll just go for it. It's Catch-22. Catch-22 is the answer. Uh, ah. Okay, two more. Mm-hmm. The true story of two men who found the American dream but after but are having a little trouble. Silence. Yep. 
<laughs> that one's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. That is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, yes. Well, I was waiting for you to say the whole... <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Seth. Here's the last one. This one's a little vague, so I might have to give you more hints on it, but everything is connected. Oh. Uh, Abe. Abe? Um, Charlotte's Web. It... <laughs> <laughs> When they wrote Charlotte's Web, they're like, we'll never know how to make this movie. <laughs> this is unfilmable. That's some pig. Who could trade a, a spider? <laughs> Everything is connected. Uh-huh. This is a 2012 film. Abe. Abe? Cloud Atlas. It's Cloud Atlas. Were you? Did you know oh, the no. first time? <laughs> I didn't know it the first time, but that was the one that I was thinking that you were thinking that you were maybe saying, um... Uh, 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 the one that Silas got right, but I was like, no, we reference it all the time with the true true. But uh, no, now this one I I got. That's the it. one you were thinking. Yes, it was the one we reference all the time. Okay. Well, Abe, you got third place in that game. That sounds right. However, Silas and Ali, you are tied for first well... place in this game, which means hey, it's a good thing that I wrote down these tiebreaker questions. Uh, these are guessings. Um, so I'm gonna okay. Let's see. How should I do this? Okay, so I want. Okay, I'm really stressed now. You guys. should be. You should be. <laughs> but you know what? Fear is a mind killer. Sure. There okay. You go. I'm go- I'm going to say an actor, and I want you to tell me what you think is their highest grossing film at the worldwide box office. Oh my gosh. When I say the actor, the first person to buzz in gets to answer, and if they win it, they get the you know they they win the game. So here we go. Is this sudden death, like, one this is, question? Yeah, it's, well, I have another one, just in case something happens. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, wor- just think of it. Worldwide box office, their highest grossing film. The okay. actor is Timothy Chalamet. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Ali. Ali? Little Women. Incorrect. <laughs> Silas for the steal, if you get Silas any win. Silas for the win and the steal. Is it Call Me By Your Name? It's. Do you think Call Me By Your Name made more money than Little Women? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's, it's incorrect. <laughs> so you both. Good thing I had a second Ali, one. Ali, can I can I guess again? No, you both got it right. This is important. So no, you can't. <laughs> you oh. can guess. It won't count. What, what's your guess? Ladybird. Incorrect. It's Interstellar. Interstellar is a side. Oh, oh yeah. right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I knew that was purposely going to throw you off, and I thought both of you might have got it. So you're. He, <laughs> he was the older He's... older brother. Yeah, Who the hell was he? Casey Affleck. He shows up in like the first act of the movie. He's young Casey Affleck. Uh, the oh, son. man. Uh, one, one of the Aaron. Not Jessica Chastain. <laughs> like his other kid. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. man. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to name an actor, and you tell me their highest grossing film worldwide. Javier Bardem. <sighs> it's... Okay, I'm not going to talk Buzz. about it. <laughs> Silas? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, Pirates on Stranger Tides. That's the second highest grossing film of all time on the worldwide box office. Ah, pretty close. I'll leave for the steal. Um, I mean, it's definitely not. I'm just talking out loud now. It's definitely not No Country for Old Men. Um, so if it's not Pirates Five, which you have to know made a lot of yeah, money. yeah, you think of a movie that um, made a lot of money. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think what else he's been in, and I'm going to say Skyfall. It is Skyfall. Look wow. at that. <laughs> I was like, Skyfall made $500 million. Skyfall made a billion dollars. <laughs> wow. 
Skyfall is awesome. Pirates that... made seven hundred ninety-four billion. It's a good guess. Off the I, head. I would have thought Pirates would have made yeah, more money. I honestly, I did, I I knew Skyfall made a billion. But I'm like, wait, did Pirates Five cross a billion or did it get lower? And then it got lower. So I had to look. Good I had to job. Make sure, but, good, job. good guess. But yes, Ali. Despite the strong the strong effort put up by Silas, which was a strong effort, Ali, you managed to win this week's game. I feel like I always lose the game so badly that this this feels like such an achievement for me. So I want I want to thank you all, uh, the <laughs> Out Now <laughs> podcast community, for for this moment. It hey, uh, wow. it means a lot. Not only is it an achievement for you, it means Abe's going to try extra hard next, uh, the week after next when I, he has to do games again because he's going to be so embarrassed by the fact that he lost this week's game. <laughs> you guys went to double overtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. All right, so that was games. Thank you for the game. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's give some out-now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go to the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com. We have a number of questions to the listeners. They give us some answers. Uh, Silas, Ali, feel free to jump in and throw any answers our way if you have any thoughts on the questions we're about to ask here. But Abe, why don't you start this one off? First question is, what are some great films about royal families? Chris has David Lynch's Dune and Coming to America. Todd Liebenau writes Coming to America and Black Panther. Films about royal families. The Throne, The Lion King. Oh. They are royal. The Queen. <laughs> the the queen? queen? Yeah, the Queen. Won yeah. the Academy Award. Yeah. yeah. She queened it up. Does Royal Tannenbaums count? Sure. I it's love that name. answer. <laughs> they, the have to be, they have to be royal if it's in the Fantastic name. Fantastic answer. <laughs> Family of geniuses. Come on. Yeah. Um, Lion King, the animated film. There you go. All right. Next one. Do you have a favorite film involving a chosen one character? Todd Liebenau for in front of the show writes, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris writes Army of Darkness. He's the hero from the sky. Uh, Dan has The Golden Child. The Eddie Murphy one? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Last Starfighter. Wow, what a call. <laughs> it's a good film. Yeah. At least my childhood mind remembers it as a good film. Uh, the Lego movie. He's the special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Watch out for the craggle. <laughs> Any others? Good. Uh, yeah, good. Right. Unless, Silas, if you come up with something, feel free to just shout it out randomly. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, is there a better sci-fi character name than Duncan Idaho? If so, who? Uh, Todd Liebenau has Kit Fisto. Uh, Luke Thompson writes... Uh, <laughs> yeah, what does that say, Abe? Tell me. <laughs> Slard Bartfast? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, it's Hitchhiker's. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you gotta have another oh, yeah, pronunciation yeah, yeah. there. <laughs> uh, and then Chris has uh, the humongous. Mm-hmm. Uh, sci-fi character names better than Duncan Idaho. For, for me, I mean, right now, no is my answer to that question. That's yeah. why I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially for sci-fi characters, yeah. All right, next one we have. Uh, name some great movie characters who serve as prophets. Uh Dwayne writes Charlton Heston as Moses. Well, I mean, that's just coming out swinging. That's, <laughs> that's quite a pick. Well, right up there for me, of course, is uh, Jay and Silent Bob and Dogma, just right next to Heston. That's that's what I say. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Morpheus is is pretty high up there for me. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's not a film, but I immediately think of Deep Space Nine, partially just because of the word prophet. Oh uh, yes. 
Oh, yes. You're they speaking all these language now. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we mention that he was Captain Dr. Ali Matu of, of the Starship Enterprise? Captain Guys, Doctor I, is one of my favorite ranks. I almost, I almost joined the Air Force because my entry rank would have been Captain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> almost. <laughs> All right, next one. What are some? Or that's Abe. Sorry. Uh, what are some great movies that focus heavily on dreams, visions of the future? Chris has Minority Report, and Farron has The Dead Zone. Good answer. Oh wow, uh, yeah. Dreams or visions of the future. Mm-hmm. What's What's the adaptation of um of of what's his name? Uh, who, the guy who wrote Electric Sheep. Um. Why am I blanking? Oh, Philip K. Dick. Philip K. Dick. Yeah, what's the adaptation of Philip K. Dick that's, like, um, partially animated? Oh, uh, Scanner, Scanner, Dark- Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, oh. yeah. Doesn't that have dreams of... No. I think mean, Keanu gets out there because he's... Well, he's high. <laughs> that's part yeah. of the problem. He's okay. high, yeah. So. All right. I'm going to go with the Scanner Darkly. There you go. <laughs> uh, he doesn't really have a lot of dreams, though. He has a lot of visions, and it's Danny from The Shining. Sure. Mm. Donnie Darko. Oh, yeah. Time, space. I don't know if it counts as uh, the future, but like my favorite dream movie is uh, uh, My Winnipeg. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Hmm. All right, next one. What are some great films focused on other worlds that are difficult to survive on? Todd writes Alien or Aliens, LV four two six, and The Empire Strikes Back, Hoth, and Dagobah. Is Dagobah hard to live on though? I mean, it's swampy. I think Dagobah's pretty easy to live on. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's too much <laughs> threat there. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, if like a four foot you know, Jedi Master could live there by himself. Yeah, a little hut. It's pretty humid. But it's other than that, I mean, it's you, Florida. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. People, and that that seems more dangerous <laughs> than Dagobah. <laughs> Hoth, I get. Hoth, need... Hoth is like, if you don't find shelter, you're fucking screwed. I mean, yeah, you're, you're like, dead. Dagobah, they, you know, it's if anything, it feels like a great endurance round. You get a lot of exercise all the time there. <laughs> all right, I remember a ton of weight. Uh, so. When Jaden Smith was forced to survive on a harsh alien planet called earth (laughs) he's a ranger sir (laughs) i didn't do the accent um let's see difficult planets to survive oh uh matt damon and martian let's go with that you were never tested the way oh no that's interstellar (laughs) yeah (laughs) you were never tested the way that i was <laughs> yeah, the mar- I mean, yeah, he ran out of ketchup. It's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, he had to eat, you know, potatoes for a year. It's so, hard. It's hard, hard to eat potatoes. Uh, well, the next question is, what are some great films about political power struggles? Um, we didn't, we didn't really answer. get any answers. So feel free to add, but I would say The Lion King. Uh, election. <laughs> election. Oh, election's the winner to that question. All right. Um, what did you think of Dune? Were you a fan of the book or the previous film? Chris writes, I absolutely love David Lynch's Dune. Can't wait to see Villeneuve's version. Books are complicated, but great. Luke Thompson, friend of the show, he writes, I disliked Lynch's movie so much as a kid that it took me a while to trust McLaughlin in Twin Peaks. It just seemed to have no real conflict. The good guys never faced a real challenge, winning every fight easily and using a magic voice. As an adult and knowing Lynch, I find it clear we're meant to distrust the goodness by the end, and it plays better, though there's still too much voiceover. In playing the Har- the Harkonnens as stronger villains and making the voice seem really hard, the new one improves on that at least. Hmm. Ken Knopfzinger, friend of the friend of the show, Ken, tall, tall Ken Knopfzinger, 
He's been very excited about this. He's a huge fan of the. I'm going to read it right now. He's going to say, I was thrilled about how the good the movie was. I have read and listened to the book about five times now, and it's one of my favorites. They managed to both stay very true to the book and make minor adaptations to enable it to flow better as a movie. I just wish that there would be an extended edition for each part of the movie, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Side note, I refused to watch the original movie. I liked the book too much for that. Hmm. That's Ken standing on things. Yeah. Well, that was uh, how the fans uh, liked Dune. Yeah. So that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And uh, with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now, If and Ape. Uh, you can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing for We Live Entertainment for movie reviews, as well as wisedblue.com for Blu-ray reviews and Criterion stuff. I occasionally get some things on Variety, and I'm on Air- Twitter at PS 4 Abe? Farmer offensive for my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Moose hashtag air power, hashtag water power, hashtag sand power. <laughs> uh, Simon Lesnick, where can people find more of you online? Uh, well, I haven't been writing as much these days. I'm working with a company called uh, Movie Bill, and uh, we do augmented reality uh, promotions for films. So we actually have a, a, a life-size uh, sandworm. You can place uh, wherever you go, which has been fun. (laughs) Very cool. Whoa, I want to place that on my street and just (laughs) see what happens. That would be so cool. (laughs) Well, Ali Matsu, where can people find more of you online? Yeah, come over to youtube.com slash the psych show and you can find my videos that make psychology easy to understand and uh, celebrate mental health. Great. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now 3, Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud Podomatic and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. Or, of course, follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. I'd like to thank Ali Matu and Silas Lesnick for joining us this evening. Thank you both. Oh, yeah, this was super fun. Good. Glad you guys had fun. Glad we all had fun with games, of course, the most important part of any episode. <laughs> I'm just uh, happy I won. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm in a good place. That That is going to do it for this week's show, however, and next week we do. There's plenty of stuff coming out, guys, so stay tuned because there's plenty of content, as well as all of our horror content, which is already available, as well as more to come. But with all that said, until next time, so long. And goodbye. to use your uh, out now throat lozenge <laughs> yeah pe- people thought i was crazy when we when we got those back in 2012 I know, uh, yeah. a year in i was like what if we got out now branded throat lozenges and and abe was like i support it but i don't know about the listeners and they, yeah you know, <laughs> well they're they, made of the recycled chinese newspaper like in the simpsons episode <laughs> exactly that's why they're so chewy but also informative <laughs> There, okay. there's, there's nothing about that joke that makes sense, but it was funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Let's get back in. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs>